We're naked news, ladies and gentlemen. I only know three other barracks in the world, and I'm pretty much related to all of them. So. <laughs> this, is like being, this is like being on the trading floor in 87. I suppose it's a bit like kissing your sister. You really are. I'm a professional dribbler, so... <laughs> let's, let's do the numbers, Condor. The round the grounds. The Barnsley ball bag. We'll go to the pub. <laughs> Trying to raise awareness for men's mental health. And anything that's happening in sport. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast. James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor, Condo, Condon. Righto, well, Woody, we're welcoming back the sports nerd, the poet from Ross Lane. Ross Lane Poet's back. We're in the shed. Uh, episode 69. 71. 71, and we are pumped up. <laughs> It's, I tell you, I must say, it was it was nice being out on the balcony last week, but it's so good to be back at our home. You can just the, the acoustics, uh, the vibe. You know, we'll have the occasional rooster fighting in the back. We've got a cock, like a cock ring, like I've a, not, a, I've co- not, a cock ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that didn't come across very Mate, good. But we're not Michael Vick. So, so what have we got, Woody? We've got a what? We've got a rooster's <laughs> or a chook shed yeah. out the back, aka the cock ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed we've got a new dog too. Yep, that's yeah, Banjo. Yeah, Big Boo, the little Jack Russell. He's a new addition. Yep. Good to be back, boys. How, well, look, welcome I, back, I tell you Bebe. what was cool, seeing the photos of you boys doing an away game, I think it's a, it's something we should look at in the future on the deck, you know what yeah. I mean? Waves coming in. Oh, yeah. it was a cracking afternoon. And, uh, I mean, you know, we can go into the takeaways of Gunter, but that was just a history lesson in surf. Top it was, shelf. It was, almost the, it was almost like he got here just as that real push for the actual f- – they had obviously surfboards through the 50s and 60s in Oz, but from the 70s, early 70s onwards, it was a full-time profession leading into the, what we have now. So he was pretty much there from the get-go of Australian, you know, solid manufacturing. I think Gunt had a good afternoon too. I, we, oh, I, he was loving it. It was the most excited I've seen you since Willsies. Yeah, I was pumped. I just knew he had a great story. I love those like those sorts of guys that live a crazy life. He's, you know, obviously had moved around the world to get to where he is now in Ballina. And uh, he's been a big part, like Locomotion, that whole factory has been a big part of my life from growing up. And then and now you're working. Yeah, full circle, we're back above him. Yeah. So it's... It, it was sick to hear his story. Auntie, when you listen to the podcast, uh, yeah. one of the uh, one of Condo's ball bag questions at the end, Gunt gives uh, our fellow member here, James Wood, Wood Surfboards, a big rap. Awesome. Yeah, as far as his yeah, shaking ability. That could have gone either way. <laughs> it could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thought, we could have edited it out yeah, if, yeah. if you just said, oh, you're a shit shaper. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it gives him big oh, rap. I didn't know he had that many quality surfers riding his boards oh. back in the day. I didn't know he had that good a team. Yeah, he... I think right at that time, he obviously was a. There was obviously a good hub, kind of like there is now. There's that good hub in that like late eighties, yeah. early nineties around Lennox Ballina and and Byron. There was a really yeah. good hub of like similar age group: Craig Holly, uh, Sean Munro, uh, Brendan Marguson. There was just yeah. a lot of good guys around, and then that led to other towns. Tommy Wits and all those. Those guys, guys got, yeah. wanted yeah. to ride his boards because he yeah. got obviously down into. Um, uh, Kerbox, like those yeah, guys yeah, around yeah. Bondi, that got Tommy Witts and the Luke yeah. Hitchings, those guys involved. So it was like a, I don't know, it was a good way to see his lineage or lineage. How do you yeah, say? Yeah, no, it's a, that's a good word. You know, it? like the yeah, you're on fire today. It's like coaching. You go down through the tree. It's I was like actually just before training. we started. Yeah. I was actually just reading card, reading the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barnsley, uh, bring us up to speed. Where have you been? 
I've been up in Japan. It's the uh, first time I've been back for two and a half years. I yep. basically come back for surgery at the start of COVID and I've never been back. And uh, now it was good to be back. I spent the uh, first sort of 10, 10, to, 10 to 12 days with the Japanese women's side, uh, Sakura. So they had a test, two tests against the Springboks. They won one and lost one, uh, which was great. So um, they give away that much size, those poor girls. They just dive in at knees and they, uh, they're courageous. So, yeah, credit to them. They've got a couple of two, – two tests against Ireland and they're going to come out and, uh, and they've got the World Cup in New Zealand. So, are, you, uh, are you going to New Zealand with well, them? Well, I'm not sure how that will work at this stage, but, but hopefully there will be some sort of involvement there. They've got a great – their coach is a legend, Leslie McKenzie, and, uh, and we had a good crew over there, a couple of Aussies too. Um, Jared Crouch, he used to play for the Swans yep. Um, yep. and run all those – he was on Bill and Boz for a number of years What's there he at the show. So Crouchy does a lot of the kicking stuff. So he's been working with their sevens program and um, yeah. and sort of and, and involved with the women's as well for a long time. And Michael Zarakis, who's a um, oh, he's a he's a doctor in in sort of human performance and movement and stuff like that. So he's doing a lot of the prehab and rehab sort of stuff with them. So good to have a couple of Aussies on board. And then the second week was with one of the uni sides. I've got a bit of a relationship with up there. And uh, so where were you? Were you just in Tokyo? Or? Nah, come on, Ishi, mate. Actually, where the tsunami hit. Wow. So you get oh, on YouTube, yeah, hey, right, right up top. So up it's top. just it's past Fukushima, so where the uh, yeah. nuclear disaster. So you weren't was. drinking much seawater up there <laughs> when you were there, <laughs> mate. I did go in the ocean and swim a fair bit, That's, but uh, she well, you was, got that uh, other ear growing yeah, up. Yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> was. Uh, look, I hadn't been up there. It's real rural Japan, and yeah. uh, it's like a back to the dark ages. Actually, where steel was pretty much started, Nippon Steel up there with the company. But mate, that tsunami and what it would have what been like. Oh mate, you mm. watch that YouTube video yeah. of it coming in From and you're really just watching. Far away. Oh, yeah. Scaring the shit out of you. So the rugby stadium is built out of all material salvaged from the tsunami. So wow. is that right? Yeah, it's a um it's a small stadium, but it it's a, and a unique looking, but it kind of matches the real that part of the area. Yeah. And they're, they're resilient people. They mate, love up rugby there. up there. Um, yeah, they've got a team up there. It's sort of it's a really small town, so it's kind of um, they're passionate about it yeah. anyway, and uh, in their own way. And no, it was just good to take a game up there, to be honest. And it was a lot cool in Tokyo, mate. Tokyo's thirty eight degrees yeah, right now. I checked cool. my phone at midday the other day. It said it feels like forty five. I was oh, like, wow. I just spent seven hours on the field, and I was looking like a tomato, and I was going, "Oh, just lucky you had that here. ball and all hat. That that one trucker just seen some miles. Look <laughs> at what, mate. It's like a test cap. Have you I, ordered I like more truckers? Too. Hey? Have yeah. you ordered more truckers? Um, I haven't. No, I haven't had the chance. I've just decided to go into socks. Socks. Yeah. Right. Okay. We do have socks coming. <laughs> There's nothing you can't do, Condo. Hey, boys, well done on the on the on the ball and all mid too. Great photos from the day. You've uh, you've killed it. it yeah, looks like so, a chip to uh, his old can. It looks fantastic. So last uh, last Friday, uh, I mean, onto our sponsors and all our sponsors were there, which was great. Um, and Club Lennox uh, were good enough to sort of host us down there last Friday afternoon. Cracking day. Um, beer was flowing. Um, yeah, it was great. How, let's get a how, what's a tally of the kegs done over the weekend at Club Lennox Condo? What's the where uh, are we at? By Monday morning, they well, Wall rang me on Friday and said, "Are you going to have a crew down here?" And I said, "Oh, I think we'll have a few." And um, by Monday, so he went and ordered more kegs off uh, off Uly's. So I think he ordered I think six in total, and by Monday morning, five were gone. Wow, five kegs. So um, it's it's uh, it's got traction. It's getting support, and I think one of the reasons is, firstly, it's a good drink. Yep. Um, we did such a good job <laughs> brewing, brewing, <laughs> brewing it. Not. Uh, so uh, thank you, Yulis. Yeah, thanks yeah. to Yulis. Secondly, uh, twenty cents from every schooner purchased at the Bolo goes into the community project, uh, community projects, yep. which is fantastic. So 
you know, five kegs, do the numbers. 115 uh, schooners in a keg, James. Yep. Bingo. So yeah, great. it'll add up so we can keep giving back to the community. So, no, it was a five, great afternoon. 575 uh, beers in total drunk over the weekend. Schooners. Really? That's the ad. That's if you add it up. Five times 150. Jeez, this is good competition between the mass genius condo and, and, the, uh, and, and, the, and, and the underground mass genius. <laughs> underground mass genius. Uh, I've got a question for you okay. too. Question. That article I sent you about the, the uh, New Zealand rugby. Yeah. So they we're lo- into around the grounds. Yeah, we're into around the grounds. So yep. they've, lo- they've lo- First of all, let's thank our major sponsors, Elders, The Station, Lennox Pizza Pasta, Yulies. And, and, and uh, uh, Club Lennox Cherry Street Bolo slash <laughs> the just the monopoly, monopoly, yeah, the monopoly yeah, that yeah. Terry runs. So thank you guys. Yeah. Before we get into around the grounds, but yeah, NZ Rugby. I sent you that article. Yep. Um, they lost a the couple of tests. Uh, well, they lost two to, to a good Irish side. Yep. Is it was it two out of three tests they lost? Yeah, they did. They won the first one forty to. Ten or something. Um, Johnny Sexton losing, leaving the field for the Island is pretty crucial. But Island, mate, they are they are, a, they are an unbelievable yeah. side. They're at a rich vein of form with yeah. um, you know Andy Farrell does a great job with them. Um, so that's, Owen that's Farrell's dad. Owen Farrell's dad, who play, who's uh, a dual international, yeah, played yeah. for the Lions and um, and obviously England in rugby. I think uh, he's a legend one, of rugby I think league. He's one uh, Owen is one rugby player that Wisey has got the most enormous rap on. Oh, tough yeah. as they come, mate. And, and good, and skillful, and skillful yeah. yeah. But so, look, I, look, I don't think it's a look. I didn't think they picked the right coach when they had their first time around. Now, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's a whole bunch of factors come together. But you're New talking Z- about New Zealand. I'm talking about New Zealand. They've, they've. I really reckon they've probably got to win one of these tests in South Africa, which is not easy to do yeah. um, for the coach to probably keep his job going forward. That's but what it said. In that it's other. a crisis in New Zealand whenever they lose one test, mate. Now they've <laughs> lost. I think they've lost three of their last five to Ireland. Yeah, that's what they said. So, look, they've got top of tests in South Africa. They've got Argentina and and um, and us. So, is yeah. it is it, it like international rugby? If you were playing now, yeah, you don't see Richie McGraw, you don't see Dan Carter. Is it uh, the intimidation factor? Is that gone? Like, is is that gone a bit? Oh, look because at, of some yeah. of those old legends that have played two or three World Cups. I think you got to understand sports cycles, mate. Like that is yeah. a truly rich vein of Kiwi rugby. Yeah. You, you got you had about seven or eight blokes play hundred tests. Yeah, up until that time, no one had played a hundred tests for the All Blacks, and then all of a sudden you get McCaw, Carter, Manonu, Kevin Mialamu. Mills Molly. It just the list was yeah. unbelievable, and and unfortunately, I had to go up against those guys, which wasn't much fun. Yeah. But but look, they've still got enough talent. Um, yeah. But they haven't got the experience, those held heads there at the moment, and they're just at that vulnerable sort of position. And I think too, other teams have got better. Yeah, like well, you're looking, I, you're looking at the northern hemisphere now, and you're going France. Yeah, the world rugby right now, Ireland number one, France two, South Africa three, New mm. Zealand four, England five, Australia six. So it's a complete role reversal of say four or five years yeah. ago. So I don't think as much as the All Bucks they say have dived. Irish reckon everyone else has gotten better. Ah, the skill cool. level of that Irish side is is second to none. Unbelievable, yeah. mate. I was sitting there going, wow. Uh, you know, because three or four years ago, they were pretty mechanical island. They just hold the ball for 40 phases and, and hope they beat you. Now they are the most skillful team in the yeah. world and France have probably got the best defence in the world. So you've got the two teams at the top who are sort of attacking. And D next and, year's yeah. World Cup's in France, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So it's going to be a cracker. And, and it really is, I reckon, one of the World Cups where you go, geez, it's a bit of a lottery. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, exciting times. Um, yeah. 
We well, uh, just want to wish Wisey too. They're, they're over in Argentina this weekend. So Wisey goes up against che- Michael Checker's Argentina side. So, in Buenos Aires. Yeah, in Buenos Aires. So hopefully we get a win there up the Aussies. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can get, sort of get just a bit of momentum going into this Tri-Nations, which is a tough place to win over there for sure. So Barnsley, um, you've, been, uh, you've been abroad sort of looking on. Um, where do you reckon the state of the NRL uh, judiciary is? Oh, well, I just think this is one thing in league and, and union they've just got to sort out because it's – rugby, it's killing games. We've gone the other way to rugby league where we're sort of – we don't – there's no – the ref doesn't have, I suppose, any uh, – I don't know, how, how do you describe it? Any sort of thing to be able to make a decision either way, it's just black or white. Head contact, you're off. You know what I mean? Regardless of whether there's any intent. I just think in the court of law, it all comes down to intent. So murder or manslaughter, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that harsh, but like I look at Nelson Asafa Solomon's hit on the weekend and I thought that was disgraceful. I thought this guy's got to get four. You know, I was with Joey. I thought three to four months. He got off with nothing. Like you do that in the street where you slam someone's head into the ground, you, you kill him, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's walked away with it free and then you got a guy like – you know, you get an accidental head clash where your shoulder's below shoulders in rugby and you're getting a red card. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't get where the consistency is. I know head injuries are a massive part of it. She's I've suffered my own fair share myself. But I think if there's accidents that are going to happen in a contact sport, you can't be penalising or red carding people when it's an accident. And you've got to be clear on that, I reckon. At the moment, it's kind of, I don't know which way to go with it. Or Can you, can you decide that on the field, bud? I just think it, oh, that that is a questionable thing. I feel I feel you can as a bloke who's played the game. I feel you can look at an incident and you can go, well, you know, he's either clearly is it rec- is it intentional and reckless or is it just reckless? You know what I mean? Or is it intent? So, there so to give hurt us two someone? examples. Well, Nelson's. I thought that was against say Dale Finucane's. Well, Dale Finucane's gone in reckless. there and got it wrong. He's reckless. And that Nathan Cleary. Now Nathan Cleary should get seven. I think he's put a bike on his head. You know, in a spinal position. What do you now got we five weeks. Five weeks. Look, I suppose that's in line with everything else. But oh, what do you think? What do you? Where are you sort of at with it all? He's happy because Tigers won. <laughs> yeah. I just think, I don't know. Some of those bad ones. It's almost like if they're bad and intentional, and it looks bad, especially if they're the third person in. Yeah, they should get as long as the guy's injured for. I reckon. Well, yeah. Well, that's six months. Hastings. Poor bastards broke his leg. Yeah. That's that's a shocker too. And he might not be the same player. Like it could. Well, that could wreck his career. One hundred percent, it could wreck his career. Yeah, yeah. he might not be. As yeah, well, that's another in... point you made too. I suppose I was just dealing with the head stuff, but you've got guys die, third man in diving at ankles and knees, and you're in such a vulnerable position. It's really an area that yeah. Can if yeah, if you if your biggest weapon while you're in the team is speed or your footwork, and you've broke oh, your leg look, or your ankle, look at Ryan Pappenhausen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I. Consistency would be nice, but I, I think – I just really think it's got to come back to a bit more I reckon the first thing they need to do in, in league is that that second or third man in can't go below the hips. Oh, I think it's a fair call. It would make low tackling straight up better. And it also, and it also probably sped it up, yeah. stop him from going to the ground and they'd be able to just play the ball. Mm. They're obviously trying to hold him up and then yeah. let the guy tackle and fall him on the ground. And Yeah. Barnsley, lest we forget – yeah, a couple of um, – I just – I woke up this morning and just saw the th- uh, on the news, Johnny Famishon, uh, Australian boxing legend, was Australian white weight champion. Um, our next guest, Cole Lee, when we invite him on soon, I'm, I'm sure he'll know of, um, of Johnny, but I heard a lot about him as – obviously my parents talk about him when they talk about boxing greats, but uh, he was a lightweight champion. He fought against fighting Harada. I think he beat him twice, but around the time of Lionel Rose and that. So, unfortunately, he passed. And then uh, a really, really sad one. I think we lost a great Australian and – 
hope more is made of it. But Archie Roach, mate, and what he contributed to, yeah, um, I just think is shaping Australia. He's one of the real national truth tellers, I think, through his own way, um, using music and story to get his what he suffered out there. Um, and many don't know, too, he's a tent boxer back in the day. He used to box in the tents, uh, I think, growing up, rally around the drum. He's got a song about that. And obviously um, they took the children away as his main song. But uh, if you get a chance to listen to Briggs, the Aussie rapper, part of AB Original and that, he does a cracking one. Um, the Children Came Back is a great song, utilising both Gurumul and, um, and Archie Roach. So, yeah, look, a real sad one there, but um, truly great Australian. Well, that, uh, that's a pretty good uh, segue into our, into our guest, uh, Cole Lee. Uh, we'll get to the fact that you're truly great Australian at the back end of the podcast, but um, you are, and welcome to the shed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely to be here. Kyle, welcome, mate. What Thank do you think you. of the shed, Kyle? I like the shed. It's nicely decked out. I'm glad you painted us for painted us for us. It looks uh, very good. Very a good place. <laughs> very inviting. A good place to to do this sort Sorry of. Sorry about thing. the sparrow that just flew straight over <laughs> your head, mate. It's got a bit of everything. So long going as it on. keeps flying, uh, <laughs> Beric. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, Cole, you go way back in this area, but um, Patches Beach, uh, south of Ballina. Um, for us, during the floods, we were we were up and down Patches Beach Road, um, trying to help out down there in the boats. Whereabouts were you? Right down the end of Patches Beach, where you grew up. I grew up. Um, Actually, at the end of Carney's Lane, which branches yeah, off yeah. Patches Beach, and the the, the last house there, um, and uh, yeah, I went down there and had a look at that house when we we're out working at Wardell, and broke my heart because yeah. you know I'd spent twenty five years there. The Lees went there in uh, nineteen forty four um, from Cumblem. They, they had um, where Cumblem Heights is today, Balna Heights. Uh, that's where my dad uh, was there for a number of years with with the family, and moved to um, down to the end of Carney's Lane, Kane property, yeah. and then 1956 they bought 300 acres of beach frontage, which was about oh, three three and a half kilometres long. Um, and if you, if you look at what was the price of that <laughs> back then? Well, Dad paid twelve hundred uh, pound for it in nineteen fifty six. Wow! And that was dead what do you reckon that would have been equivalent so to? So thirty six hundred Aussie. It's just sold, I believe. Uh, the guy that lives there and he bought that that house off my dad. Uh, I think it was fourteen million. Wow! It was yeah. just to, sold. Yeah, about so, so um, it hadn't been cut up. It was still the three hundred no, acres. Three hundred acres. The cane farm we sold off. Uh, it was sold off in two different lots. Um, back in nineteen seventy-two, my dad sold the back property, which was the, the cattle property, to the Pizza Hut people, and then he worked it then and kept cattle on there for another uh, probably about another twenty years. They didn't do anything with it. It was sold a couple of times in between. and um, Beautiful place to live. Uh, naturally, if you can believe, the fencing was always a, a nightmare with all the um, being right on the beach. But uh, when we grew up there, of course, we, we lived on the beach. Every weekend we'd be over there fishing and swimming and that sort of thing. Uh, probably didn't appreciate it as much as we should have because it was Tough old times, and you know, you didn't have any electricity, and you, um, we were. Dad was also daring. Yeah, right. Plus back then as well, grazing, daring, and sugarcane. 
Um, There's a lot to do then. There's a lot to do. And uh, so we didn't. Were you cutting cane? Is that what you were doing? Uh, Well, when I was about. I started driving the tractor when I was about six. Oh, that's actually probably now, a, a, I'm not a tall bloke, as you can probably realise. <laughs> that's but actually I'm, probably not a bad age to start <laughs> driving a big tractor. Is six? Yeah, six, six years old. So Rexy's got a few years. He's got so, two years left, and then we're getting him out there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, I used to, you know, give a hand to. Uh, I'd get the what they call cane sets, so we'd give a hand to, to cut the cane. Probably when I was about ten, I used to start cutting cane. And um, then we'd take what they call the cane sets, which is what the, the, the sugar cane grows from. It's planted in, in billets about, yep. uh, say, 14, 15 inches long. So I used to load those with a, with a guy that would work and I'd take those to the cane fields where they were planting. And um, so, you know, you got pretty good at reversing trailers and driving tractors and... Uh, was there good money in like? Is, is there good money in sugarcane if you if it's grown? Well, look, it's it's very much up and down. Yeah, it's very much up and down. Those days, uh, it was okay. Yeah, I that's probably today is the best sugar's been yeah, for as long as I can recall. You always drive past the sugarcanes whether you're coming back from like a trip south or you know you're going yeah. out of Ross Lane and you always look at it and go, I wonder what it's worth. Like I wonder. Is it, do they do it by the, I guess, the kilo? By the ton. By the ton, yeah. 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 The biggest problem with with cane, it's it's on the world market or sugar. Yeah. And there's so many other people, like Fiji's a big one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, now India, there's yeah. a number of areas that really Smash impact on the sugar. And, of yeah. course, um, sugar's probably as a product is not as popular as it used to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, currently, because of... Tsunamis and climate and all this sort of thing. Uh, the price of sugar is probably the best it's been, and unfortunately, as we know, just with the recent in this area, the recent flooding, it's going to be tough few years. I can tell you to grow it. To yeah, grow to get it. A crop Why is that? Just because of all the stuff that come out of the river into oh, the fields. A lot of us been uh, just flooded for, for for weeks on end. Sugar's very very. It takes a lot to kill sugar cane. Yeah, but. You know, if it's going to be underwater for, and some of that had a bit of salt in it. Yeah. Uh, Topsoil will be pretty bad. Yeah. Well, of course, we live on a floodplain. Yeah. So when you say the flood, the, the, the topsoil's not too bad because we've got a lot of topsoil that's come down from up the back of Corndale and. Yeah, right. Uh, that's come down with Rose the flood. Bank and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what made all the mess in all the houses. Uh, you know, we went in and cleaned houses and there'd be. Probably an inch of mud. Well, you guys would have seen that. Yeah. Um, so that's all. That's all gone over the over the cane ground, all the all the cattle ground, which, in time, that's how this area was made. We're we're on a floodplain, and yeah. Um, so it's really top dressed in in a bit, you know, and this expression is top dressed a lot of that cane land. Yeah. But the sugar cane just died off. It's and and of course harvesting. And I was talking to a. A mate of mine who's a cane farmer this morning, and oh gee, the cane fields are just so wet; they're just bogging out the cane. That's yeah. yeah, you there. can't even get in there to actually no. remove it. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be very expensive to rehabilitate those farms and replant. Yeah, yeah. So at that time, when you when you first grew up, and you you know you're a steady tractor driver at six, <laughs> are you, are, could you remember times where you couldn't drive your tractor? Like there was like obviously floods back then. 
Oh, yeah. Was there cases where you were like, all right, I'm off the tractor for six months or a couple of months because of the floods? <laughs> no, 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 no. They no, just no. send you in there anyway. Um, well, where we lived um, – Because where, you, where you're saying you were, that's – 1954, now this is going back a while, 1954, I can remember sitting on my dad's shoulders yeah. when he was going, my grandparents lived 100 metres away. And we went over to my grandparents' place. Now, their house got flooded in 1954 because it was lower than our house. Yeah. The water backed up to the second step and it still had two to go. Now, that house recently had a metre of water in it. So it went up two steps yeah. plus a metre on top of that. Yeah, wow, and that's your house that didn't get flooded. Wow. Yeah, that, wow. that was in 1954. 1974. Yeah, that one. Which everyone uses as a marker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had no water much around the house then. The, the creeks were right up, of course, but the creeks were clear. They, they yeah, were, yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, yeah. my dad used to go in with a couple of blokes for extra money. I remember it, and um, they used to work for the flood mitigation, and 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 they'd clean the yeah. drains. And well, they'd that's be a big issue around here right now. Massive we're issue, to fix, mate. They haven't yeah. cl- cleaned a drain around here in Yonks, and I reckon that's why. This has got all, all so the backup. Hard. Yeah, the backup, mate. Yeah. And just because of the way it's been and the amount of water we've had, it's just clogged and you can't, it's got nowhere to go. What about this theory, Cole, too? I was speaking to one of the fishers uh, in Ballina. He was saying if you drained, if you dredged the bar, dredged the, the, the river at Ballina, if we'd gotten it deeper mm. for a longer period up towards Woodburn and, and yep. Wardell and that, the amount of water that could have moved. Hundred percent. That's my, my yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. So, so if it, they reckon on it, or the fish I was saying, on average, it's about two meters the whole way along. But if you could get it to three meters, or dredge it even, and make the the bar actually yeah, anywhere yeah. from four meters deep, plus the amount of water that could could have got out, it just stands to ridiculous. Reason. Like you probably would have never had water in the streets of no. Ballina and that. Exactly. Hundred percent. The when we grew up, of course, the you had dredges, didn't you, along there? The dredges 24-7. Yeah. 24-7? Every day. The dredges used to work. Where? Well, down to Brizzy, Brizzy River did too. That was the same. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the dredge worked from the bar or dredges yeah. from the bar right down to, well, probably Corikai. Wow. So yeah. why, why, did it, why, have that, why is that not happening? Political. Is it Stopped environmental in, too or what? Like what, what's the issue? What, what, they say it's environmental. Look. We had fantastic, beautiful, clear rivers and, and, and good fishing. Like I used to fish in the river all the time. Yeah. We were only two and a half k's away from the river. We'd often often yeah. just fish in the river. and um, It's – you can use environmental all the time, but, you know, if you're going to have a bath, you want to get into clean water and the same as a fish. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to swim around in dirty, dirty, muddy water. Yeah. So, you know, it's just <laughs> – and all right, um, they say, oh, you know, it upsets the seagrass and all that sort of stuff. Well, it's all smothered in mud, in mud silt and, and silt and, and stuff. Yeah. And diesel. Yeah. And <laughs> probably everything else in between. Well, the other afternoon I heard a guy talking and his mate's boat, these big blokes, capsized on the Balna Bar. This is before the flood. And they're waving their arms around and yelling out. fellow from the bank said, stand up. Wasn't in the middle of the channel, naturally. Stand up. They stood up. Water was up their chest. 
<laughs> I'm drowning. <laughs> Put your feet down. Oh, oh, extend extend, extend yeah. your legs. Yeah. And that was it. Wow. So yeah. there was three of them in the boat. Yeah. The boat tipped over and, and uh, yeah, they, could, they just stood up, walked across on the bar and up the, up the rocks and away they went. Like uh, dialing it back 70 years, Cole, uh, I mean – with all technology and infrastructure and everything we compete with on a daily basis, what was it like being a kid with no electricity? You didn't know any better. Um, so what did you do to amuse yourselves, apart from driving ooh, the tractor? Yeah. Driving and, tractor. and riding seven miles to school. And <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, what did we do? Oh, we had a lot of friends around. So, you know, it was cricket, it was footy, it was soccer. Um, so in those days you would have been listening to that on the radio? This is oh, pre-TV. Yeah. yeah, my family, uh, particularly my mum, she was an avid tennis, cricket, listener, follower, non-stop. Yeah. We, um, sport was a big thing in our family um, and, you know, all those great old cricketers. And Is there that, anything you really remember sitting around as a family in one sporting moment where you can all remember sitting there and listen to that radio and just, you know, jumping for joy? Oh, look, I'd say we did have TV. We did have... Um, Electricity then in 1960 when I was 10, uh, the Tide Test. Oh, Tide Test. Yeah. And of course, Alan Davidson was my hero. Yeah, and it's um, sad that he passed it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Alan Davidson, Richie Benno, fantastic. Neil Harvey. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant cricketers. Um, so that's that was that was it. Um, we used to listen to the cricket foot. All those days for us wasn't a big thing. It wasn't until um, probably I went to high school where our family then switched a bit to football. To, they, they, to, you know, to it, rugby it, league. It, and rugby yeah, league. Yeah. Rugby yeah. league was Who was your okay. team? Or who is your team? Well. Would have been Dragons around that time, wouldn't they? They won about 100 <laughs> in a row. Yeah, well, <laughs> I must admit my mother and my brother, they were Dragons fans. I was an Eels fan because ah. my brother-in-law um, – he he like Parramatta, so we used to get, if we went down to Sydney, we'd we'd go to what's Parramatta play. So I got to know a few of the players, you know, right. Ray Price and yeah. those sort of, Eric Groth and those sort of fellas. We sort of got to meet them, and um, and then Ray Price did a extension on my brother-in-law's and sister's place. So yeah, so you know we got to know them. So I've always stuck with the Eels. Um, Parramatta, Uncle Pete, mate. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, if you don't score here, you'll never score. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, but they were interesting days. Early days, um, what we used to do, we'll see, we we worked all the time on the farm, you know. Yeah. We were um, mustering cattle and we were uh, – I think those days, of course, dipping was a big thing. You had yeah, to dip yeah. cattle for ticks. So, you know, we'd be um, helping my dad. We'd all had horses and uh, – I don't know what time how old I was when I got on a horse. I've no idea, but I certainly rode a horse before I drove a tractor. Yeah. So um, you were never bored, though, mate. I'm never getting that because you're so busy. Like, what else? You you know you if you no. if you, were you, you at school? Doing a job, like, would you go? Were you going to school at that stage? Would you go up into Ballina School? Or uh, was I went Empire to Vale. I went to Empire Vale. Yeah. Uh, and I started Empire Vale when I was six. Yeah. And to get to Empire Vale, we had to ride a push bike. Uh, for a while, there was a taxi that used to take us, but it didn't get back till because it had a big run to do. And the guy yeah. put, you know, put those you guys days, a big old dodge. He'd put 15 kids in this old dodge. <laughs> so, you know, um, 
and we'd, it was late before he got back when he went and did the Broadwater and then he'd go Broadell, Broadwater, Empire Vale and back to us. Um, so then we said, oh, well, this is no good. So we'd, we'd ride our push bike. But just for fun sometimes we'd walk because some of the people didn't have push bikes so we'd leave our bikes at their house and we might walk, you know, five k's and go on the river and see what's going on and all this sort of stuff <laughs> as we came home from school. Uh, school was um, – I enjoyed school. I enjoyed my mates. Um, it was a lovely school. Our teacher, it was a one-teacher school, 57, 57 kids. Wow, for and one bloke. For one bloke. And I can tell you, Empire Vale School those days was very highly regarded and still is today, even though there's not as many kids go there. And, of course, that school's closed at the moment, which is disappointing. And they've probably got ten teachers. I feel, I feel like but They'd have probably five, and I reckon they've only got four, 30 or five, 40 kids. Kyle, would I be right in saying, even if he did have 57 kids, guess what he had next to him? The cane. <laughs> the big old cane, he, dude. Here's this. You never got it. Never got it. Never got the cane. Connor, how many times do you reckon you got it? In year eight at Woodlawn, I got it 138 times. <laughs> There you go. But in year nine, I got it zero. There you go. Fuck it, taught me. Jesus, I got <laughs> some pounds. Well, like, that's how you yeah. keep it in check. All right, you'd just be pointing it with 57 <laughs> kids. All right, you tend oh. it there. You do science. You do we math. used to get it across the backside. Mm. Yeah. Didn't you get cracked with the ruler on the head one day and split you? Father Maloney. I've still got the ruler sitting <laughs> so on my desk. cracked you on the skull. So right. I was talking in, uh, yeah, year eight. I don't know what it, what it was about year eight, but I, I was imagine a, your voice too. I was a little, I, was, I wasn't a well-behaved <laughs> kid. Yeah, no, I was sitting in English class one day in Father Maloney. Uh, the rainforest at Woodlawn is named after Toad. His name was Toad because he used to speak really slow. Anyway, he said, Steve, stop talking. So I kept talking, obviously, and he said, stop talking. And then I kept talking. So then he walked over and he picked up my steel ruler with the pointy end. He said, I'll teach you. And he just cracked me on the head. Like an egg. Blood down the <laughs> front of my face, rushed off to the infirmary. Wow. Mm. When, what, did they, what, did, what did he do? What did Father Maloney do with Condo, the third person? Did he get in trouble as well or did he just stay? I reckon if he knew back then that I was the third person, I might have got four cracks. <laughs> yeah, anyway. That's so you how never got cold. No, you never got Yeah. The, the deal is stay under the radar. Yeah. yeah. But – you know, high school and primary school, the headmaster, both the teachers, well, the teacher at Empire Valley didn't mind using the cane and um, certainly at the high school, big time. But we were too busy to be messing around. Um, I enjoyed, I wanted to learn. Um, not that I was a superstar scholar by any means, but I wanted to learn. I wanted, yeah, it just didn't. You know, being what was your favourite subject in high school when you progressed and went to Ballina High? Uh, favourite subject, I would think, would be geography. Yeah, mm, I think favourite subject. Uh, I was pretty good at metalwork and woodwork uh, when You're I went pretty to high handy school. Too from being on the farm. On too. the farm, most of that stuff you just do on the farm. You know, um, fixing things. You got to fix things on the farm because you're so far away. If you can't put a few bolts in or put a new fan belt on or Fiddle around with stuff, you know, a lot of trial and error stuff. And from that, you know, as you know, I became a motor mechanic and that was a good lead up to um, being on the farm. Did that kind of what made you love it? Just by tinkering around so much as a young guy, you're like, I'm going to get into being a mechanic? Yeah, well, I didn't. My plan was that being the eldest son in the family, the goal was that 
the eldest son would go back on the farm. Yeah, you sort of take over yeah. the farm. Um, and I loved working the farm. You know, I'd work tractors for so long, and and I could work any machine, ride the horses, and ride stuff. the horses. But I really enjoyed tractor work more than more than the, the, the horses. My brother probably is a very very good horseman, and he's always kept in that. Um, but uh, the machinery side always interests me, so I'd be tinkering around with all that. And I think um, just the just doing that growing up was a great stepping stone to to go as a mechanic. I actually wanted to go to the sugar mill and do a trade there, which seemed to be another thing that all the cane farmer guys did. But I got this apprenticeship. Um, yeah, the apprenticeship. As a motor mechanic, I thought, oh well, that's close enough. So that's 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 the how I took that. Uh, when I went back on the farm, I did actually. When I sold, I had I went from my apprenticeship for ten years. Yeah, and then I started my own workshop, and it was extremely busy. To you know, extremely busy. And where I was had, that in Ballina, mate? Was that that was in Kalinga Street? What was uh, the name of it? It was Colley Autos. Colley yeah. Autos. Mm. Here we go. That was hard to remember, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was it. That was a that was a cracking business, you know. Uh, we it was just too too busy in the end, and I had an opportunity then. My dad wanted to get off the farm, uh, off the farm, and I thought, here's an opportunity. I had two or three people wanting to buy our property, our, our <laughs> car yard, uh, not a car yard, our um, Your auto workshop. Business, yeah. The workshop, so I sold that, and um, it was just working crazy hours, um, and uh, so I went back on the farm for one day. <laughs> what, what, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. So after all the family discussions for you to go mm. back on the farm, you lasted twenty four hours. Not even that. It's like a Mel Meninga run of politics. Go, <laughs> <laughs> Did you get there and it was forty five degrees, and you and your tractor and you went far? Here I am. I'm sitting on this old David Brown tractor and going up and down, up and down, up and down. By morning tea time, I thought, what the bloody hell am I doing here? I've yeah. got no one to talk to. Yeah. I've just come out of a really, really busy business. I can see no great future me sitting here. I'd had a, an offer to go in on in a, a, a motor vehicle um, sales or car yard with a really good customer of, of, of ours. Uh, I used to do all the work for, and I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I said to my dad, this is no good. <laughs> what I, did he say? Well, he said, I can understand that. <laughs> That's cool. So I said, what we'll do, uh, let's share farm the place. Okay. Yeah, so we share farm the, the property. I looked after that. Dad retired and did other – but he kept the cattle. Yeah. But he also bought a property out at Tregeagle, and he loved – cattle and dad was a very good horseman and he enjoyed cattle and riding horses and stuff and um he uh, he he continued that i looked after the admin admin of the cane farm we had a really good bloke uh running the cane farm and then down the track we sold that do you, do you think being that busy from that young of age has helped you through your life any tough times like has it just kept you resilient because you were already doing, going pretty hard. Like you didn't obviously know any better. That was part of life. But does, oh. has that been one of your best traits, do you think? Because it seems like you're still going pretty hard now. 
like, we, we are going hard. But you know what I mean? Like, is that work ethic from the get-go? Do you reckon that's kept you in good stead for having a really successful life? I, I'm, I'm sure it has. Yeah. I, I'm sure because we've, we've grown up through tough times economically, through harsh places, you know, conditions yeah. and places to live and um, – and not knowing much different yeah. than from when we grew up that we were helping on the farm and we wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the fact that, you know, half past five in the morning, come and give us a hand to get the cows in yeah. or whatever or get home from school, jump on a horse, bring the cattle in, bang. Uh, uh, that was just that's part, part of life. life yeah. And you knew you just had to do it. That yeah. was a responsibility and we, that's how we grew up and we had a very happy childhood my mum was a really good musician yeah and she was a good singer and we you know that was another is that how you entertain yourselves at night like get people around sing dance that sort of stuff mum was a good piano player yeah and uh a good singer and dad was pretty pretty handy himself so we had magnificent nights so you know we had a lot of neighbors come in yeah and and mum taught every kid in the area to play the piano except me I had a couple of goes at it and found middle C and I never got much further. <laughs> <laughs> like this, eh? <laughs> but I, w- I wish I had there. You know, that's one of my regrets, um, even though we played a guitar for quite a while. But, but the piano would have been terrific and, and mum was, um, had all these kids and that sort of you thing. You don't yeah. strike me as a car salesman. So you have yeah. less, get the cane. You, have, you, you don't get the cane. You have less than 24 hours on the farm. You break, your news, break the news to your dad. And then you embark on a long career selling cars. Like, what? What's what sparked that? Um, while I was at, I, I, I did my time at Coastline Ford, which is Duran Ford, and it's moved on now. But um, I did spend about eight months selling cars, and I quite enjoyed it. Selling cars is um, tricky game, eh? It's tricky, but if you've got principles on how you want to operate and how you approach the sale, and how you approach the sale, the main thing is is what's know. the what's the best sort of approach? Like, well, actually, let's have a real time yeah. example. You've got Condos gym, Jimny out here. Mm-hmm. Try and sell it to Woody. Okay, what it's I brand do, new. It's brand new. Okay. Hey well, Cole, how are you, mate? I'm looking for a Jimny that <laughs> Jimny. Uh, so I can look like Action Man in Lennox Head. Well, I've got just the car for you. Wow. Come this way. Um, we'll go. Would you like to go for a drive first? We'll go around and we'll have a look at the features of the car. Now, yeah, you'd naturally like a radio in the car. Yeah, I would. I'd love music. I love to sing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And well, this one's got one. Unreal. It comes standard with the, with that and a spare tire. No but way. Right. So you, if my tire goes flat, well, I can. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. I'll show you where the jack is in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then we do a do a round presentation of the car. Yeah. We don't bother with price. Yeah. That doesn't come into play yet. No. So unless you look like or you, you've got to make sure that you're not wasting time with the with, when you qualify someone. But you, you're dead set, want it. You know what you want and yeah. that's how you're coming across. So. If he walked in, do you reckon he'd be wasting your time? Uh, well, you've got to qualify. And qualifying is... I see. Either he's got knows what he wants, so obviously he's done a bit of. Particularly now, they've done a bit of research. Yeah, he knows that the car's going to be thirty-five grand or forty yeah. grand or whatever straight away. So then, what we'll do, we'll go for a drive, and I won't talk about the car at all. 
What's your interest? Yeah. How'd you go with the footy last night? Yeah, I go for the West Tigers. Uh, and what do you what do you do, Woody? And you'll say, well, I'm you know, I'm yeah. a doctor, or I'm a yeah. accountant. Cole, Cole, he's not a doctor. No, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but with that white shirt on, I yeah. thought he could have been. Yeah, I could have been. <laughs> but so, yeah. So the thing is, is that we, I'd really talk about the car. Yeah. And the reason for that is that straight away you've got to build a rapport and a confidence with the customer. On the way back, we then start talking about the car. Yeah. And we say, drives well enough. And this and that. And has this got enough power for you? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's actually not too bad. I can, I'll be able to go up cliffs. So were you thinking of, when you're buying this car, you're thinking of purchasing it uh, under lease or do you want to get you getting a loan because we do, do, can organise finance for yeah, you? Yeah, I'm going to use it as a uh, probably as a – as a lease, as a bit of a tax write-off, I'm actually trying to launder some money in from uh, the Cayman Islands. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. we, we, we do take cash, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually really good because I've, yeah. um, I've got some in some... I've got some in some... I was going to say, where do you hide your cash? Under <laughs> <laughs> <of> my bed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that's... You just get... Yeah, so you just go through and then when you come back, then you, then you say, right out. Yeah. Let's go around the car again. Yeah. And you'll say, oh, gee, you know, so now you, you're I a young fella, you want to go surfing, you'll need a yeah. tow bar, you might yeah. get a boat. How about some racks for your surfboard? Yeah. Bits and pieces. Yeah, and then you, you the add-on stuff. Then you do the accessory side. Yeah. Let's come inside. Yeah. How about a cup of tea? Yeah, I'd love a cup of tea, please. Um, so all you do, when when the get the girls, make us a cup of tea. Yeah. For Woody's... Two sugars, milk, yeah. bang, done, uh, and you get the order out. Because as soon as people are happy to sit down, have a tea or coffee, you yeah. reckon they're done? Deal's oh. done. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's human nature, like you've noticed, just that many sales, you could basically just, it just looks the same way almost. Well, you, you've got a fair idea. It might, yeah. it might, once you got the, once you got the, it's kind of like the, uh, once you got the pitch down or you got, in the game, it must have been kind of fun going to work and seeing how many fish you could land. I guess, eh? uh-huh. like it would have been. Well, my... see, the good thing about selling cars is no day's the same. Yeah, because you get such an array of different customers, and you probably think a day's going to be slow, and then it ends up being a busy arvo or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Someone will just come out of the woodwork. Yeah. You know? I'll never forget. We had one day the weather was just awful, and here's this bloke. Seen him come in the yard. Here's all the salesmen sitting around. Rain is unbelievable. So I said to the boys, bloke up there in the car, oh, I'm not going up the seat. I got the umbrella out. Up I went and I thought, there's only two reasons he comes in the yard. One to buy a car, one to use your toilet. And that, that's how yeah. it works. And anyhow, I sat down with him. He said, uh, thanks for coming out. He said, uh, I want this car. Tell me about it. It was a used car. And then he said, I need a new car for my wife too. Bang. So I said, two cars. No one was going to Just because you got off your butt and went outside. And that's what it is. It's all about, but it's, but, you know, getting back, yeah. it's really getting the confidence of, of the person yeah. that's buying the car. If there's husband and wife in it, sell to the wife every time. Yeah. Because honestly, she makes the calls. Women so. make the call on the colour and this and that. Yeah, Guys, that's, that's changed heaps. That doesn't happen now. <laughs> not, a, not at all. <laughs> well, I can tell you, it does in my my family. It definitely know, does. It does in my family. You know, the guys will 
oh, yeah, he's got a big enough engine to tow the boat or whatever, whatever, but colour, bits and pieces. Women make the final in 90, 90% of the case. Yeah. But then you you sort of know the body language so of, the, is that of through, the woman. Is that sort of through the late 80s into the 90s you were doing the car yard stuff? Is that that time or is that through the 80s? In uh, about? Car yard, I kicked. We kicked the car yard up off in 1981. Yeah. And then we bought our partner out in 1989 and sold it basically late 99. Yeah. And this is the real prime days of Ballina too, wouldn't it? Especially that West Bell area. This is like Chris Brock, Dick Johnson, Ford versus Holden sort of era, you know, when it's – Chris Brock. Not Chris yeah. Brock. <laughs> Peter Brock. No, we know what you meant, though. Yeah, yeah you I, knew what I meant. I really, you know. W- when <laughs> when we opened our car yard, Ken had some, my partner had some really good uh, contacts in the industry. He was a, he ran a, a big used car operation in in Brisbane and had plenty of contacts, which, you know, down the track we, we picked up on. But that car yard, when we kicked it off, we would have had... Two XU1 Tiranas, some Sandman panel vans, some oh, some yes. Superu um, Superu <laughs> panel Impre- vans, Falcon yeah. panel vans. Wow! Um, just trick cars, Marat Monaros, oh, GT yeah. Falcons. Back then, too, they'd be they'd be worth a lot of money. Yeah, if we had that yard today, would be worth. I guess could have been if we today on today's stock that the I've still got the. Original photos of some of those cars, you worth eight or ten million. Yeah, easy. Mm. Two XU ones, Tiranas. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, okay. can you? They have to be custom built now and stuff. You couldn't even really find one. And well, these them. cars are good cars. Yeah, yeah. I ended up. What What was your record for? Like, what was your your record for how many cars you sold in a day, a month, and a year? Ooh. So now, Gunter Rahn, he he shaped he's now shaped north of fifty thousand surfboards. Fifty years. The best, in fifty years, yeah. The best month retail we did in Ballina, I'm thinking was about eighty eighty seven. Eighty seven cars. Eighty seven cars. When we had our wholesale business every month in and out, we do 150, 160 cars a month with our wholesale business. This um, is before the internet too, you know what I mean? So you were just people are coming in yep. or calling you up. Yep. Wow. Yep. But we had two good, very, very, at that time, like, you know, if we said Daihatsu now, people would have to look look into the yeah. archives. But I had a Daihatsu. I grew up, my parents had one. They, they were a pizza, they were a pizza real, car. Yeah, they were a really good <laughs> little car. Um, and they had trucks and all this sort of stuff. Um, and four-wheel drives. So 150, 160, you're selling four, roughly four, five cars a day-ish. With a wholesale. With yeah. the wholesale. Two, just two of us, but we had... Jeez, you're busy. We had, oh, yeah, we had three detailers. This is just the wholesale, three, three detailers, and we had two girls in the office, my wife and, and my partner, Glenn, Glenn's wife, and, and we'd just ring through, bang, 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 that car's got to go. We'd, we'd buy and sell those. So that was that was busy. We'd do two and a half to three thousand cars a week buying buying cars, and I did that for ten years. Yeah, wow! So you're mm. buying them too, and then having to yeah, then you got to yeah. wholesale them on to dealers. But we had dealers just fantastic. Um, the rapport we had with with a lot of the dealers, and 
sometimes you've got to take some average cars with some, but to, to get a, some, a few good cars. Yeah, you've you got to take you, the lemon. Yeah, so you've got to <laughs> say, all right, well, that car's worth 500 but you've got to pay 15 for it, so you've got to just pull the price of the, the good car up or the other cars to... To make it work out, and that was they were good. That was a good business. Um, but you know, we'd kick off in the morning. Uh, I did most of the long drives, and Glenn did all the the roundabout because he had a great rapport with the local dealers. But I'd I'd do Grafton, Tamworth, Gleninus, um, Tenderfield, Bar. and we'd do Grafton always twice a week. Then Grafton go over the top. To Armadale, Glennon. Jesus, wow. driving yeah. in that, mate. Especially in those days, in those roads too. Yeah, you know what? It was quite amazing. I was just saying to my wife the other day, we're going home to Inverell. You know, I worked it out one year. I did nearly 130,000 k's. Jesus. Wow. And over those times, I never got booked and I never had a prang and I saw hundreds of prangs and I saw every day you'd see coppers <laughs> Yeah, you know, you never got the cane. Never got the cane. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's a goody little tissues. <laughs> but you know, if not saying we did everything right, because you know we'd come back late at night, and by two weeks, hundred k's wasn't sort of on the on the dial at all. It was much much. Especially better if you got that. some of those Muranos and so, yeah, Monaros, yeah. I mean, so yeah. Mm. You go on 170. Well, you you know you, some of those w, WRXs. And yeah, stuff. yeah, that's that's well rally stuff. Mm. And we were Subaru dealers, and they were just brilliant. Oh, okay, so tell me the best the best car you ever drove in that period. The one where you just went, Jesus, this is bloody. The best car I ever worked on was a white SLXR SLX. Sorry. 5,000 Tirana, which was the next Peter Brock car. Wow. That was the only time like, I, took, I had to do a tune-up on this car and it had been sitting around the shed for a long time and I took that car out down Teven Road and it's the only car I've ever driven where the lights couldn't keep up with the speedo. You just couldn't see because the, the, the car was so fast, the lights couldn't... <laughs> You know. What are you sort of? What are you hitting at? What are you? What are you running at? Like, solid two. He doesn't want to get booked, Barnes. No, no, no. We never got booked. You're every cop in he town. Got from, uh, let's <laughs> just put it this way: you got from Ballin to Lismore in three and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Back to Future car that yes. just goes into flames? It's yeah. like, oh, that car. Mm, that car was quick. <laughs> we probably did two two forty. Holy shit! Mm. Little Tirana. It was a square shaped Tirana. What mm. What did it have under the hood? Uh, they were a uh, five-litre tricked-up thing, like Peter Brock car, so it was a pretty switched-on car. They, he, 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 it was a Bathurst car. Wow. Is that what he was winning all the mm. – He yeah, actually right. won Bathurst in this car and then sold it, and the young fellow that bought it, um, I don't know whatever happened to that, to him or the car, but um, that was just a fantastic car. That was probably the quickest car I've driven. Um, good cars. Well, what about the best brand or like the most trusted one where you just went like I've sold some lemons, but this car, this brand, I can trust. You know what I mean? Well, you got uh, Japanese car, Toyota. Yep, Subaru. I think, and even a little Daihatsu's as far as reliability yeah. is concerned, and that's what people want. They were, 
you know, they were really good. Toyota was a big seller in our used cars. We we would do it always every month. We'd do maybe 15 to 20 Toyotas, particularly wagons and stuff. We yeah, had, yeah. We had guys, we, I had a buyer on the road five days a week to stock, keep the stock for the used cars. We couldn't always get enough trades. We wouldn't get enough trades that you'd want to keep. Yeah. So we were fairly specialised in how we, how we had our cars. When I took over, I... Changed. It must have went been, up market. It must have been handy as well that you're a mechanic. You could see in the trades, you go, nah, mate, <laughs> this thing's engine's about to fall out the back. Well, of course, those were the days. <laughs> like they thought they might be able to have it over you, and you just pop the bonnet and go, nah, mate. There were some shockers around in, yeah. the, in, the, in the 80s. Someone brings in a car without even a motor here <laughs> and just pushes in. Uh, it's not starting at the moment, but I feel like I could get two grand off, off this new car. Well, you know, many times this used to happen. People bring a Doesn't have an engine. Bring a car in and, and you'd say to them, now, does this car use any oil? You knew it would. And they said, no, never, never put a drop. <laughs> never, never even think of putting any. You know, every time I check it, it's full. So put the dipstick in. Empty, not a thing. <laughs> and many a time that was it. So you just take the top of the off the air clean and all the inside the air clean is all full of oil because, and because of all the blow-by in the motor. Yeah. And I say, well, look, you better not drive too far because this thing hasn't got one scarric oil in it. I don't know why the oil light's on. Oh, that, didn't, that stopped working years ago. So all this sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, it, it was very handy. You weren't trying to be smart about it. No. It was just how it was. Yeah. Because if I bought tried to car and I had to do an engine rebuild, which I wouldn't do because it didn't make sense financially. No, either, it's yeah. not a good Your financial. time just trying to fix it would be. Well, we had a really busy workshop because, yeah. you know, it, a lot of our used cars and then we had our new car sales were good. Uh, so the boys were busy there. They don't fiddle around old cars. Nah. Putting new rings and bearings and stuff in it. So... Um, yeah, but it was very handy to, to that. And, of course, um, auto-trans, and even today, auto-transmissions, you've got to be careful yeah. with, with, with those because they can cause a bit of grief. Um, the most important thing we did was every car was serviced. Every car. It didn't matter if you said the sticker said service at 140,000, this had done 135, bang. Service it, had no, no trouble. Issues, eh? No issues, No yeah. issues, where do you take your car now, Cole? Just so. Where do I take my car <laughs> yeah. now? You really want to know? Yeah. He's about to get real well, busy. I've, well, I've got a brand new Ford Ranger, so that goes to Ford, and my wife yeah. drives a Mercedes, so that that goes, um, that'll go up to uh, Gold Coast Mercedes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you do it, do it mm. probably. Mm. I don't radio. do it, but. But Nugget, who you guys have been in, I do yeah. the service on Nugget myself. Oh, so that's why cracker. We, yeah, the beach truck. The beach truck, yeah. So we went for drive down in uh, in Nugget. So uh, yeah, so uh, I I do the do the work on that. So you move into retirement. I don't think you've ever retired, but you sort of talk about the fact that you tried to retire at sixty. Mm. Why did that not happen? Well, I had a few interests, and of course, I'm in mean, uh, Rotary's been a big thing for me because. Um, when I was 60, we started the Balmer Food and Wine Festival off, and that was a lot of work, and we only just – that went for 10 years. Mate, you turned that into a huge operation too, didn't you, that compared was, to what it started as? Yeah, well, the first couple of years, but it was a, a clumsy way it was, was organised. So we changed all the way we did that. The biggest, I guess, the biggest problem we had with the Food and Wine Festival was 
the venue couldn't cope for the for the demand we had. Yeah, right. So we restricted that to uh, over eighteen only, which was good in a way because of our licensing. Um, naturally, as Rotarians, we don't want to have any issues at all with licensing. We want to make sure that we set a good example, um, and the. And we did have a great rapport with the licensing people. Uh, we never had an issue. Licensing is something that we respected. So because of the number of marquees we had up with uh, alcohol sales and wine and uh, beer sales, we then were able to to be meet the regulators because, you know, you've got a certain distance between young people yeah, stuff, how far yeah. away from a bar we couldn't we couldn't handle it so yeah and the but the biggest complaints we had was it's too busy and we said well we can't you know we can't make any excuses that it's successful <laughs> and that's that's the only answer you could have you know i'm sorry but oh you know it came in here pushed and shoved but um it was good we had great entertainment um you know we had some serious entertainers come up and, and each year with with, did you um, ever go to it? Best act you had? What, what was that? Yeah, I did go yeah, to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, numerous times. But what? Yeah, what was your best act? Um, Wendy Matthews was good. Oh, Wendy oh, Matthews. Uh, Day went away. He's not only a poet; he can sing. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, Wendy Matthews was very good. Um, I really enjoyed Diesel. Oh, Johnny Diesel. He's just a blues the other week. Um, my. I guess as singers, super singers, and I'm not saying this because my niece Rachel Beck is is my niece, but her, she and Michael Cormick are just unbelievable singers, and they were so popular. People all the time say, "Well, I hope Rachel and Michael are coming," or or that. So we've got those guys coming to our our, our gala dinner in uh, in November for the Love Bites program, and. Uh, which is great to have them. Uh, yeah, this we've had we've had some really good acts. Um, a, there was one guy on his own, Jed Zab. Dad, Jed Zab, he used to finish off our day, and until um, we got told to close by the uh, people in Cumberland, they used to be ringing up the the uh, non-stop ringing us up. Oh, it's too much noise coming up here at six o'clock or whatever. Some of those nights. Dead set. We still had, you know, a thousand people there uh, jumping around. They really enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, Jed used to finish off and he'd play with, um, we had Bourbon Street. They were good. Yeah. Yeah, old Bourbon Street. Mm, mm. Legendary old act. Yeah. So we had some really good acts. Um, and, uh, but restricted with the number of people you could have. And uh, the jockey club are just magnificent to deal with because they so just helped us as every possible way they could. But of course, it's just restricted in in the area, and also it's very low. Yeah. So when it rains, it's very boggy. We must have put like splendor, eh? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think it ever got that bad, but um, but it's it was difficult. We had to put. There's always someone sitting at home eating lemons, complaining. That's right. Now someone's going to be devoted. You guys are having a good time. It's always the way, isn't it? They probably, they probably just uh, should have just come down and had some wine and had a good time. 
Well, that's what we said. <laughs> yeah. You still, we'll, we'll still let you in. Yeah. We're not, we won't even charge you. The yeah. gate's open. Yeah. Come, come down. Enjoy the music. Yeah. Well, it sounds good. Well, come on down. <laughs> yeah. where, where did the uh, – I mean, you, you, you link with Rotary and the long association you've had there. You've been president numerous times. Um, where did you first for helping people and raising money and just all the community sort of I think, efforts? Uh, yeah, look, my dad Where'd was – come from? My dad was involved with that condo a lot. With um, Rotary? No, 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 no. He was um, – in the Wardell community where we were, um, there was – my my father was a clever old bloke. He, he, he didn't go to war because when he was a, a young – child he fell off a disc off a disc harrow with his father he was sitting with his father dip plowing a field with corn in he fell off it and he chopped his leg off and he had this great big scar on his leg and when he went to enlist with all these other brothers they knocked him back so dad said well this is no good and even though he's a really shy man he ended up through the war to sort of overcome I guess the guilt because yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. But he wasn't. He's the know, only one that wasn't been so hard. Aren't yeah, it? his mother, five brothers, they're all over there fighting for the flag, and here I am sitting at home milking cows yeah. with, my, with my dad and my sisters. So dad used to write plays and also do skits and um, tap dance and do all that sort of stuff uh, to raise money for the soldiers overseas. So, and in Wardell. Uh, even our hall that's been condemned at the moment, the community hall, Dad, for a number of years, did plays and skits there to oh. keep to keep the place open. And that was for a number of years he did that. And I guess that's where I started. And then we used to, um, through the church and whatever, we used to go on you know, push bikes up to South Bowen of the Ferry and down, collecting money for the various... Uh, things those days, whatever you need to raise money, yeah. and these sort of organised Salvation Army. Yeah, we used to do the Red Shield thing. And that went probably wasn't Red Shield, but they still had a. So that was under, sort of your first dip of the toe like, into the fundraising and helping yeah, others and getting yeah. involved in good good stuff. Yeah, and then uh, when I was twenty two, I joined the Masonic Lodge because my grandfather was in that. What's that? Well, the Masonic Lodge is an order. Of, it's it's very old. It's a, an organisation that's uh, basically built on integrity, morality. It's it's a it's an old, very old, orga- like a medieval sort of thing. Yeah, sort. Well, it's not medieval, but that's <laughs> medieval. that's where, where it goes back. It goes yeah. back a long, long way. Is that the one that's What's on the Seinfeld episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah, well, Freemasonry's been a big thing. It's a big thing in Australia. It's a big thing worldwide, um, and it's it's a life it's a lifestyle type of way. Of so living it's sort and, of just a guide of how you should live yeah, your life and stuff yeah. like. That. It's it's really it's really a wonderful organisation. Um, we well, I've been in it and I still am. I'll be, yeah. be fifty years next year. Uh, I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy the people in it. Yeah, the community. Uh, the community that's sort of involved. Not in it. near as out there because now you know you've got well, Facebook. Yeah, and you've got Rotary, and you've got yeah. plenty of other things, football, and all yeah. these things <laughs> that have come in now. But it was always a way for 
for men in particular to have something else in their life. They could go Just to, to meet together, mates, yeah. have a beer. Yeah, yeah okay. The, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a story. It's a story yes. of, of how things were done in the old days yeah. and built and then all those ways they were doing things have all come into to a life how you should live your life. So and is it something that like ex-veterans would go to have a beer and have a chat about what went down? Is it kind of like that, like a well, form of… Freemasonry grew very much through the war because of the mateship. Yeah, yeah. And that's that was a big thing, you know. Yeah. Today it's really, you know, not as popular. But then again, community service organisations generally aren't as popular. Yeah. Uh, and from there I had my business and people said, you know, Rotary, why don't you join Rotary? And we, we had a new club starting and um, me and two of my mates, we, we joined, uh, Balmoron Richmond Rotary Club. Yeah. And so Rotary, what – if you could describe it to people out there that don't know the ins and out of Rotary Club, what 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 really does it stand for? What is it? Oh well, is it a, just a community organisation that it's helps? It's a community service organisation that that helps doing things in the community for the betterment of the community, yeah. and it's an example of how you should live. Yeah, with treating treating others how you'd like Absolutely. to be treated. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. We've got a, a as you guys know, we've got a, a wonderful club. Yeah, and uh, we work hard on that to maintain membership, and we make work hard on that with our projects. We've got currently we've probably got about uh, close on thirty projects underway within our club in various stages. What we do with um, our big thing has been, and we're ramping this up again. And we've had our our past guys, I succeed, Davy Harmon. With a domestic violence program that we're running, and that's going to go. Um, it's been a major, major thing for our Rotary Club. And then we've got the Love Bites program that Terry from Cherry Street's very, uh, very passionate about. The Love Bites program is teaching young people respective, respectful ways to live. And that program I'm very passionate about because. Without saying the wrong thing, people get to a stage in their life where they're pretty set and they can't sort of see the wood from the trees and the home life is not that good. And we see that, when, unfortunately, when we go to the schools and things. If we can teach young kids respectful relationships, how to treat their girlfriends, how to understand that it's not right to tell the teacher where to go in order to, to to better yourself you've got to have a crack at doing it you know and and this this love bites program uh is just a shock to the system for young children that program runs uh the this area is setting up the 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 benchmark, because uh, we've got Robbie Harmon running it, and it's, it's remarkable, and it goes into twelve of the the high schools here, from years um, seven to do ten, and now it will go into the primary schools from year five and six. That's good. That's and, and, and it's about better communication, respectful communication. That's it. That's it. Um, that's that's a really wonderful program. Um, Is there any part of that program, Cole, uh, especially in high school, that um, has a focus on mental health? It it ties in with mental health, right. Condo. Um, that's why this is a 
a, a big thing we've been doing. Uh, like we've got our mental health symposium on the 11th. Yep. Um, and that's aimed at young people, which ticks into the Love Bites program where they, they learn this a lot of this. Mental health's a big issue uh, in the home and, of course, um, peer pressure, telephones, you know, all, all this IT stuff. Likes, it's, dislikes, all that online just yeah, look, garbage. So, Cole, know. before we get back onto that, but let's, yeah. just, let's just stay on yeah. Cole Lee for a sec. Uh, 2012... Um, Citizen of the Year, yep. 2014 Order of Australia medal. That's huge, yep. mate. I yep. mean, just just for our listeners, because obviously Woody, Barnsley and Condo definitely haven't been Citizen of the Year and will never be Order of Australia. But I got well, most improved in my household uh, about a month, month ago. <laughs> 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 who, who, was, who voted? Rex. Rex voted me into that one. I was going to say, I don't reckon Winnie would have. Um, what, what does, firstly, uh, what did that mean? Um, what do you think, uh, and probably tie into it because we've seen yep. it firsthand, what does leadership mean? Le- oh, well, thank you. Um, I'll just might just run through the Citizen of the Year yep. and that will just show you what leadership's all about. I was the Assistant Governor for Rotary in this, this area and I heard, I went to, that was visiting other clubs. We had a cluster, we visited other clubs and... As a G, I, um, I was at a meeting in Lismore and I heard Rebecca Batista speaking and we all yeah. know Rebecca. And Rebecca was talking about the Our House project in Lismore. And fortunately I had Julie with me and at that stage it was a pie in the sky. There was a lot of money to be raised and they had, a, they had an old set of units across the road which I they might have been part of the nurses' quarters, but once they got in there, it was condemned. Um, and the idea was, if you could raise fifty thousand, you could have a naming right on a room. Yeah. And when I was driving home from Lismore, I said to my wife, I said, "You know, Balna should be behind this." And we thought, "Who's it going to? If you're in Lismore, the Our House project is." like a Ronald McDonald house where it's yeah. opposite mm. the cancer clinic in Lismore and provides for... Service for the families. Yeah, service for families. It's such so, a broad area too, mate, what it yeah. does cover up. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I thought the people, Lismore people aren't going to use it. They'll go home if they're having, you know, radiotherapy or chemo or whatever. So why don't we see if we can get raise 50 grand? So I went to my Rotary Club. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a naming right on one room for this project. And so that was unanimous. So the first food and wine festival didn't make a lot of money. That was where the money was going to go to. We needed 50 grand. And then I thought, well, why don't we take this further? I'm going to do something that's going to be completely from left field. I'm going to speak to every service club in Balna Shire, Lennox, Balna, Alstonville, and there's 12 of them, and I'm going to get every service club to work on the one project, and we're going to work together. So I got a meeting together with oh, about 160, 170 people, 
had see we had really wonderful media there. We're in the paper, and all the service clubs came on board, and every service club came on board, and we led that through every probably two or three times a week. You'd be doing a guest speaker at one of anywhere churches, wherever it could be, anyone at all, and we thought, okay, fifty grand sounds achievable. Balnarra Hill Club came straight on board. They gave us fifty grand. That's the highest wow. amount of money we've ever that's ever been given to the community from the club. As far oh, they gave fifty, I think, just to the fifty or was it twenty to the koala just recently. Anyhow, in those days, it was a lot of money. So from there, that went for uh, we had a we had a timeline on it. We had a budget on it. We ended up with Greater Newcastle came on board. We did a submission to them. And we ended up with three hundred and four thousand. That gave us naming rights for the whole eastern wing of our house. And if I go up there and I open that uh, that that part of our house with the opening of that that place, and that was a very proud moment because I spoke to council, and council said, "Yeah, we'll come on board, but bound the people won't support it because it's in Lismore." And I said, "That's rubbish. Bound the people will." They, because they're pretty they, consistent in making a lot of good decisions, aren't they? Yeah, they've been known to. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so <laughs> moving on. Back um, on the council. Oh, we do roadworks. <laughs> That's what Barnum Council stands for. <laughs> How good's Lennox looking at the moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Anyhow, so so that was where I got my citizen of the year because that was um, that was a remarkable. To organise everyone and get everyone yeah, on board to and do it, that. and I made lots of lovely friends out of with, with, with the other service clubs. That was fantastic. But would that have kind of started the beginning of a good, I guess, network of people to always back the same yeah. fundraising stuff? Is yeah. that still going probably to this day? Yeah, well, I keep in, in touch with um, with our house all the time and yeah. uh, and they send me things through. Um, Rebecca came to our podcast. She did. Mm. Yeah, and that was for those who don't our know kids. the um, the Bodie Boys that run yeah, that yeah. contributed a lot of to money our, to, to, to our to kids, our, yeah, our kids, yeah. yeah, part of the proportion of the our house, obviously, and they, you know, mm. similar sort of thing with it. So she's a champion. Well, our house is just magnificent, and and the and the school's playground that is our district rotary playground that they've put money towards our rotary district. So the playgrounds for the kids. And of course, we've got, we've done the four rooms, um, so that's where I got my citizen of the year from. My Order of Australia. It's a long story, but um, that was part. But I got very involved and with an organisation called Heartfelt House. Heartfelt House is deals with women who have been. Molested, whatever, by grandfathers and fathers and all this horrible, terrible stuff. And when I found out about that, um, we used to run a couple of car rallies for that when I found out about it and I thought, we've got to do something here with this. This is ridiculous. These guys need some money to get this place up and running and get get some really top-class facilities facilities and advisors and whatever – and I got involved with that, um, and to be frank with you, I gave it away down the track because it upset me too much because I knew too many of the people. 
after I'd seen some of their bios and because and I chaired meetings and did all sorts of stuff there for probably about five or six years. Wow. And so, so it's just people within the community that Yeah, so in. I knew some of these wow. people. And then mm. I, I, th- I was, came home one day and I was really upset because this beautiful lady who I knew and then I saw her story that she'd written to thank Hartfield's house, what they'd done, and then there was other instances as well. And I thought, no, I can't. That's not. I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and they were going well, so they've got a whole new committee, and that's a, that's all good. And then uh, I was very instrumental in the Richmond Valley Life Education Program, which is the drug awareness for kids. It's the program goes into the school with the, you know the giraffe and all that sort of thing. We did that plus um, a number of fundraisers and very involved with Rotary and a lot of the fundraisers we did for really good causes, the hospital and um, disabled people and all this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, and uh, I just got a letter one day in September and they said, you've been nominated for Order of Australia and I just thought, Sat had to sit down. I was out of Tinton Bar. I had to sit down in the middle of the road, and I thought, <laughs> "What's going on?" You know, and uh, and they said, "Well, you can either accept it or you can say, no, no, you don't.'" And I thought, "Hang on a minute." I, I initially thought, "No, no, I'm not worthy of this." Yeah. And then, because I've done so many references and bits and pieces for people over the years, I thought. There's a few people that have put a lot of time into this because it takes yeah to get your, yeah. to get your vote in or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. put a massive amount of work. We're in. three quarters through your application, James. It takes a lot it's, of time. Well, it's six. It's between four to six years. It's got to be approved. It's, it's a long. There's process. numerous yeah. stages. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it goes to the Queen, of all things, in the end. Yeah. The chief, she just goes plonk. You reckon she read your application? Oh, she would have read mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Not that, that she's told me. Is that I mean you've obviously scaled great heights in everything you've done, but is that the proudest proudest day when you were the day you received that for, for Coley? Um Condo, you'd probably have to say that. Um Would have made my, we- all those... my wedding day was pretty special too, yeah. I must admit, because I've got a beautiful wife um who supported me all the time. So but you know, as far as a it doesn't get any better than that for a community citizen. That's as high as award you can get. What What are the stats in the region? How many Order of Australia's do we have? Uh, when I got Order of Australia, there was 16,000. and There's probably 16 or 17,000 OAMs in Australia. In Australia. So we've got 25 OAMs. million people. Yeah. And what about in this it's region? A small list. In this region, uh, I'll go to the meetings... Maybe between Grafton and how far up does it go? I think it's about Mullumbimby, maybe a little bit further. If I said 40, it's probably about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... That places the significance on it. Yeah, Yeah, it's a a wonderful recognition and something that uh, I'm very proud of, extremely proud of. So if we roll into... um, how we came into contact with you and say right here, right now and what Coley and Rotary are, are doing. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, the introduction came from Terry actually, didn't it? Um, the introduction yeah, came from Terry. Yeah, so we had – we obviously we've, – uh, we've all seen and well, heard and been involved in what transpired with the floods. What, what was your well, sort of call to action at first before thinking okay. about fundraising? Well, as soon as – see, on the, the day that 
Balma was starting to get flooded and we could see all the problems in Lismore, yep. I rang Lismore to my mate in Lismore that, that's part of involved with Rebecca. Yep. When the last flood was on, we got involved with that, taking meals up and helping them and all that sort of stuff. And I said to my mate, Dave Winter, I said, we do have our own commercial kitchen now that we can cart around. It's, yeah. you know, it's got a... <laughs> like a sick setup. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's yeah. a good setup. Um, just throws it, or we just throw it all in the back of a trailer and it's got sinks and it's got all the bits and pieces, it's got generators and stuff. So what happened, Dave said, yeah, we can use you, but I don't think you get through. So I checked out the roads, couldn't get through, just as well we didn't. Otherwise, we'd still be, you know, we wouldn't have got <laughs> home for two months. So then all of a sudden, we had water in Balna and really serious water in Balna. And so from there on, we could see that the evacuation centres were necessary and um, to, to help. They were just overwhelmed with people coming in. Um, we were getting calls from some of our members that had been inundated with water and then they're saying, look, I don't think we're as bad as Joe up the road or whatever, whatever. So the Rotarians in our club that could help, we all got to and got to the houses if we could through water and bits and pieces, um, help them move out, help them, well, you know, they had mud deep once the water subsided. But we had a few of our members and that kicked that off and then we had other friends saying, you fellas wouldn't be able to help us, you know, move a caravan or do this or move, uh, help move some furniture out or whatever. So, so we had teams working and... One of the main things that I personally was doing was overseeing that plus um, doing meals for the evacuation centres at Southern Cross School and also the, the, the BISC, the Balmain Indoor Sports Centre. So we were cooking, 300, cooking for 350 to 400 there each day, but we were doing that out of the Balmain Masonic Centre where we run the Balmain Hot Meal Centre. So it's got a full commercial kitchen um, and that worked really well. Um, getting the supply of ingredients was a problem because of, you know, trucks couldn't get in, but we, we managed, and we did that for about a week, plus we had people running all over the place, and like us all were, helping. Caravan parks were a massive problem yeah. and still are. Um, we went in and did a lot in there, which was probably, if we look back now, wasn't time well spent, but for the for the people in there that were in such a state, it was a very very good move. If you look at it as in a in that sort of line as a humanitarian type situation, so um, all every Rotarian in our club that was able to get access into Balna and get around did something. Even some of the people that had their own homes inundated with water, still helping. They got out there and helped. Um, once we could had that initial week to get things sort of to see where we were going, there was a, um, a they did have a meeting with a number of groups to see you know can we get things happening in the town to to support it. We made 
or I made a decision, Julie and I, my wife and I went to that meeting and we thought, we have got such a, a huge number of people contacting us, we are better off to focus on what we're doing rather than go invo get involved with other groups and then we get only half a job done. And that was the best thing we did because we knew exactly what we were doing. We had people, you know, helping with catering. We had people helping with get, moving people out, cleaning, pressure cleaning, yeah. getting homes, people in some sort of order, uh, even ourselves, you know, we had to go down the river and uh, rescue a few people and uh, organising accommodation. Some uh, friends stayed with us. Uh, that particular time was that we really got stuck into it. We, we formed a task force of four experienced Rotarians in our club, or six really, but four in particular, uh, I sort of managed the whole, you know, looked at different angles of catering and everything else. But we had four specific people and all good, very, very good Rotarians with a lot of knowledge of the town. They conversed with council and the SES plus our own local knowledge. We spoke to everyone and we decided to do a fundraiser. And fundraising would be done digitally, you know, uh, through the digital media, uh, Facebook, whatever and get that going and from there bang straight as soon as that hit the hit the airwaves terry sheen was on him he said cole what can we do we want to be yeah. help you and be part of this because you know we worked with you before your rotary club and um and the terry street sports is now since that has become a corporate member of our rotary club which is wonderful to have that association and with that uh we got going and got the voucher system going. We initially th thought we've got to try and aim for 100,000 and then Terry Sheen said, have you spoken to no condo and, uh, and Berwick barns? No, never heard of them. Well, that's changed the whole, as you know. It just changed it forever because that night that you guys put on in Balna really gave the whole fundraiser some really strong background and was such a massive amount of money that you'd raised that created so much more interest you know it went out on the media it went everywhere as best we could and from that we got another three hundred thousand in so you know what you'd done and then with the girls from harris coffee or harris coffee that really really put us huge. on the map huge and well, I, th I think you is it correct in saying you sort of now given out uh in the order of about 800 grand in coupons uh no no we've given about close on seven seven hundred yeah uh the extra money we, we've finished that the voucher system we had a meeting last week and that's pretty much we believe we've got some people that are just filtering back in but basically we've done broadwater we did you know we did over 100 yep. about 110,000 in broadwater now plus all the all the other areas um in Balnashire that's where we concentrated well, I know broadwater's out of Balnashire but that's really broadwater relies on Balna um strongly and um that's been a massive thing that we've been able to do 
now we, we move on into the mental health side that um, you're talking about there before condo and that's where we're aiming for now and, and getting communities together. Well, Why vouchers too, mate? I suppose that's a big thing too. Well, I think, yeah, uh, you, yeah, yeah I know the answer, yeah, but Cole, yeah. you can... You can give us the answer why on vouchers, why you went not vouchers. cash and not other things. Why, 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 why vouchers? vouchers? Yeah. Oh, look, it's cash is um, the, 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 the problem with cash is that the line to the cigarettes and the alcohol and the TAB is the longest line. And people needed food. Yeah. They needed clothes. They needed a heater. A heater. Yeah. They needed a, maybe a well, television set if they could. So we went to a number of the suppliers. We bought most of, you know, our suppliers were good. They gave us 10% generally across the board, um, you know. And you kept that locally? All locally. Yep. Yep. Yeah, all the locals, yeah. You know, we had Bunnings, I know, that, but it's all yeah, people. Yeah, Norman Station, all that yep, stuff. the yep. station yep. is fantastic. He's, he's purchased, I think Carl said the other day, north of $50,000 of yeah. petrol. from no, station. We just got a bit more, yeah, um, our last lot of vouchers, um, fuel vouchers for the station, I think it's about 52 or 53,000 we bought there. So um, now with the vouchers, they've just been, look, it's, it's, believe it or not, just from our own experience, and I think you guys probably saw that the day we went out, handing people $500 to handling people $500 in vouchers where they can think, they look at the money and think, what the hell am I going to do with it? Now, that might sound crazy, but those vouchers, and you go through the vouchers, this is what we've got, 200 here for Harvey Norman and Bunnings. Yeah, yes, have a heater and fridge. All they can see is what they can buy from those particular stores. So they didn't have to think where to go. Here it is all done for them. It had been sensational. And we had the same, we, we did this on about a, Less than ten percent scale at Rapville at the fires. We, we, we did vouchers out in Rapville, uh, in that fire area, which was just devastated, um, and they were so well received. And we thought we've got a good model. Yeah, we've got a very good audit trail with that model. Mm. If you give people money, you just hope they spend it wisely. Yeah, not just you know doing disrespectful to anybody, but. With the vouchers, you know that they've got to go and use those at these particular places. And most importantly, they have staff that have got to be paid through tough times. And if we can put $40,000 through the butcher or $40,000 through the station grocer or wherever it might be, that was great, a great for the... The community business. as well and the person. Yeah, yeah. it's helping yeah. everyone. It, was, helping a, it was a bigger picture yeah. than just giving... And probably a, a lot of those places have already helped throughout the floods anyway, so you may as well put totally. a, bit of, a bit of money back into oh, those absolutely. Business, yeah. local businesses. Is it the biggest, uh, is it the biggest undertaking uh, you've been involved in? Oh, nothing will com- compare in any, yeah. in any form. Um, I don't think, Condo, that there'll ever be anything that'll ever come close to... You know, nearly nine hundred thousand, eight seventy or something. I think there's another seven hundred twenty grand went in the other day. That will even come close to to that. Um, that's a serious amount of money in tough times. Yep. Uh, yeah. To yeah. raise, and the big thing is, is what it's done. Um, the emotional. Yeah. The whole. The whole. 
system and the whole experience for me that's been just totally amazing. Can you see? Can you see a bit of? I, I, I don't know if it's growth, but like, can you see that some of these affected areas are starting to get back on their feet a little bit, or is oh, that, are they still like? Oh. Well, just this morning I had a guy from Lismore ring. We've councils. Um, recognise that we, we're, we're doing stuff out there and we've got good mechanisms to get things out. And oh, that's nice. There's a, there's, a, there's a mould product that they've got and said, can you help distribute this mould product called Force Field, which has got very, very good re- reviews. And someone in Lismore heard my interview on Paradise the other day and said, we've got this stuff. And they've done some research on it and found that it's one of the best products for mould. So... We've got a whole heap of this to to distribute. We're not in the position really of going out and spraying houses because lit- you know, it could be litigation. Yeah. We, we aren't. Yeah. We're, we're not a trained ex- mould yeah. fucking expert. A, we're not a trained mould expert <laughs> no. at all. Um, and that's how we you viewed it. You sold me a car not long ago. Yeah, mate, I know. It? Well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. But I'd, I'd rather sell you a car than, than spray mold. your house for mould. Yeah. Even though this stuff's, this stuff's um, not too... Dangerous to use, you know. You look at all the people do, doing it, and they don't even have a mask on. But you do have to have a mask on. But yeah, yeah. So um, this guy rang me and just it's absolutely terrific. beside himself. Yeah, right. No, he's got family, and he's got a job. His job. He actually works in one of the medical places, and he's just said, "Look, my whole house, and we've just hadn't long bought the house." Not insured for flood. And then he said, I've got... And I said, well, do you want any more? And he said, well, all our street. We've got so much mould. And they've, he's had his house done and they've done with vinegar and they've done all sorts of yeah, yeah. products they've used, haven't worked. And he said, I'm going to do now, I'm going to do next door neighbour and next door neighbour and boom, boom, boom. Let's hope it's a domino effect. And we've got the product that will help. See it. So this so, is a, a good yeah. start to getting your house at least... Mold free and well, maybe towards yeah, some, and a I, bit of rebuilding. And I and I think it's very good because we can now um, that gives these people some hope and they can now move into their homes. Yeah. If this, let's hope that this product is is successful. Everything points that way. So yeah, yeah. So Cole, before we uh, get to the uh, the fun part of the podcast, Barnsley Borbag questions, um, just to. Uh, give our listeners a bit of an update on where things are at and correct me if I'm wrong, but in summary, um, uh, the community hubs are enormously important. Um, I think your summary has been that they've sort of become suicide prevention centres, unfortunately. Um, We've been able to uh, actually raise another 20 grand, which came from Collins Hume in Ballina, to go out as well as some money that Rotary had to go out to the four hubs in our our postcode. That's gone which you sorted out. Yep. Uh, uh, we've aligned ourselves very closely um, via Rotary with Give It, um, yes. with our association with Mick Fanning and his golf day and the half a million dollars that he raised and we've got sort of direct lines into into Give It for yep. white goods and, you know, anything from fridges to whatever. Well, we, as you know, um, we've assigned a girl specifically. Yep. So you've got, got two. Great. Cool. I was going to say yeah. staff members, but you got two uh, two, two Rotarians two, two that are Rotarians. assisting because that's a bit of a process for people that don't understand in actually getting yeah, those applications well, in. Well, just fortunately, these two girls have got excellent admin knowledge and they're good on computers. And what I'd take an hour and a half to do, they'll do in, in you know, a minute. In a minute. Um, so they're 
that we've got about five applications in at the moment, I think. So and is there anything else that we should we should be aware of or our listeners should be aware of in regards to sort of where we're currently at with what we've tried to do? Look, what we, I think what we, you know, I think we've had processes and, and we've been guided by some experts in this, uh, or I have. Um, our, our big problem we've got now is depression and mental situation and the awareness. People still out there are not coming completely to terms with the fact that they've lost everything because they don't know where to turn. So they're living in dreadful conditions, you know, yeah. they've just throwing a couple of mattresses on the floor or whatever and, and that's how it, how it is. They're like living in the cane field there at Wardell, eh? No. Yep, yeah. like living in the cane field. They came in into the tent. Wardell hub. Yeah. Yeah. In the Wardell hub the day we were there. Um, we are now, tomorrow, Wardell's hub has got a council there uh, and a room there all the time, but we'll be accessing that and paying this guy uh, to go to the to do community, we'll, we'll visit little communities, get little community hubs together with particularly the farming communities and we'll be doing one in Wardell. And he's a psychologist, isn't he's he? He's a psychologist. Yep. We don't want this to be heavy-handed. We just yep. want this to be friendly and say to the guys, look, we know you're doing it tough. Just give us a call if you need a hand to get through this time. How can we help? And he'll probably come back to us and say, gee, can you pressure clean this bloke's shed or house or whatever it might be or whatever we can there's a bit of hands-on work from there we're hoping to get you know groups of say 20 uh that'll be husband and wife kids we put something on for kids um even have a bit of music barbecue sit around and have a bit of a think tank and a chat and that's what we're getting back fellas are telling us particularly the some of the farmers are saying cole all we need is a chat just small groups because we're not seeing our neighbors much they're all Working them, you know, they're, they're depressed. Yeah. They're working their butts off trying to get the house fixed and finished because difficult to get tradies uh, yeah. or can't afford tradies. Yeah. So they're having a bit of a crack at trying to make the house livable. I've seen that happen numerous times. The other, we, the other probably rush too is it's obviously not cold today, but how cold it's actually been over the last eight yeah. weeks, eh? Terrible. If you've got one room or no rooms, <laughs> yeah. it's just a hollow. Sort of framed house. Well, it's this is you know this is that'd the be the urgent thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just to try and get a warm room. Yeah, we've been fortunate. We have one of our um, avenues of Rotary is called Donations in Kind, and we've been ab- able to access a lot of towels and particularly a lot of rugs, blankets yeah. from all over the army, all over the place. And our our team there, they've been putting out, you know, probably. Two or three hundred of these, and they last no time at all. Because if you're lying on the floor with no walls in the house, it's not much different to lying out, out outside. Right, yeah. Different, you just don't have as many mosquitoes. That's there, the only difference. There must be there must be a thing too in that, like down along the river through Wardell, Empire Vale, all the way along there. There must be a lot of thing with a lot of the farmers. They're old school. They probably never are that great at asking for help. They don't like us. You know us. what I mean? Like nah. it'd, be, it'd, be like it'd be same sort of thing with their farming or whatever. They'd be like, oh, I'll just do it myself. Well, and it gets so stressful if you're trying to farm, look after your family, rebuild your house, fucking every other million mm. things that well, are happening. Well, we saw that. And when we went out to Wardell with mm. um, Harris, have to force uh, stuff yeah. to Harris Coffee Girls, some of these people just buggered. And yeah. the, the houses, 
and they'll say, oh, look, there's other people worse off than yeah. we are. And say, so, no, no, let's, let's go. We're here. Here, we're here now, let's yeah, rock and roll. And, and there's a lot of that. And I just had that happen just, just the other day. Yeah, I, it I, must be pretty old school sort of thing. Old thought. school. Yeah, we're doing all right, you yeah. know. But really? Yeah. It's yeah. like that when, even when you have a conversation, do you reckon you're like – you can ask someone, oh, how you going? And it's just like natural. Say, yeah, good, thanks. And, you know, you've yeah. just been struck by lightning or fucking your house is, you know, <laughs> yeah. something gnarly's happened. You're like, yeah, good, thanks and well. Yeah, it's don't inter- want to bother anyone with any of your shit. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, you give them the vouchers, next minute they're putting your arms around you. Yeah. Yeah. You've had that happen a lot, eh? I've had that happen a lot. And probably Big when you time. least expect it to, eh? Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and, and fellas that men – who I've known growing up with, the families. Like tough farmer guys and stuff, eh? Hard blokes. Yeah. And and worked hard and, and, and you know, been successful, but now this is just really, you know, they're tra- them, yeah. you know, brand new tractors had more to go over the roof, you know. Yeah. And, and, and what are they? They're 100 grand a pop or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, Cole, uh, Barnsley's ball bag question. Um, this might uh, spark you up a little bit. Uh, what are your first cab off the rank? Okay. They voted it. They voted. They've done a vote. Local community. They've got you in. You're now the mayor of Ballina Council. They put you in. This is a scenario I'm building for us right here at the table. If (laughs) this isn't actually happened yet, but it's going to. How would you? What would you do if you could? As Ballina mayor, or you know, one of the head council people, how would you approach rebuilding? just the Ballina Shire community along the river, what would you do differently? Than, obviously, you're doing an amazing job now in Rotary, but what would you do where you could really pull some bigger levers? What would be sort of three things you'd, you'd look to do in the next two years, let's say? Okay. Well, the first thing you've got to do is, is get rid of hierarchy in yeah. uh, SES and this sort of thing and to listen to people, particularly in the in – the, in the top reaches of the Richmond River. So long-time locals. And they know. Long-time yeah. They know. Yep. Yep. In the old days, it was all about – my dad used to say, forget about the river at Wardell or, or Broadwater. Let's look at how much water's coming and how much rain they've had at Nimbin, Rock Valley, yeah. Wine Wine. Up the uh, top. Where yeah. Rosebank. Yeah. All that. That's where the – that's the problem. That's where it starts. Okay. This is my hobby horse, is dredging the river – and getting the flood mitigation and the floodgates working again, it's been total neglect. Yeah. Uh, it's been taken over by, uh, in 1994, when all that stopped, you know, as I said before, dredgers used to dredge that river 24-7. Yeah. In the old days when I was going to school, boats used to go through to Lismore carrying passengers. Now you flat out take a canoe up there. Yeah, you can't even bloody skim yeah. a rock. No. <laughs> yeah, it's right. No. So... That that's the first thing. Uh, council know have my feelings on it. I've yeah. spoken to the premier about it. I've Are they spoken. listening? The problem you get with a lot of these departments and is is that they look worried. They do listen. They look worried. They shuffle a lot of paper, and that's as far as it gets. Well, that's that's what, what I can see. I'm hoping that they do listen because I'm hearing more and more people listening to what I said. Did, when think, I saw the Premier the first time. Do you think the Premier listened? Or did he just give uh, you lip service? I think now, I, at, on the day, to be honest with you, I think we, I, I got supported by a cane farmer who didn't mince words. And there was a 
few potties there, they probably learned a few new words from this bloke. <laughs> no, hopefully they Old cane farmer, and he said, who was the head of the Can you r- recite the words, word for word? Because we swear on you. Right? <laughs> I swear off you. Yeah, you got Come it. Come on, Cole. Come on, Cole. Well, there was more fucks in it than you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd, you'd see in a, in a decent um, brothel in, uh, in King's Cross. But... <laughs> um, that's got to go on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was just on the state of the river. He was. Yeah. He was. Saying. He said, "Well, I came here prepared to talk about the rural fire service and how we we got things going." But he said, "I'm going to go right back here." He said, "I've been on every, all these departments. They just keep flick passing. Floodgates don't work. That's what half the re- problem with Balna. Floodgates hadn't been serviced for years." Since ninety four, well, I'm not saying it went back that far, but the the certainly the river hasn't been dredged since then, and but the flood mitigation and it's just the fisheries come involved, and then the marine maritime yeah. services, and then Rouse Water, and then Balna Council, and then Richmond Valley. It's just Shuffle paper stuff. So that's my first job as me. That's what I'd be on. Yeah, doing. I find it hilarious too. They're worried, like you get a lot of fisheries worried about maybe dredging because of the death of fish. Yeah, and then you actually see the death of fish after the floods. Did you see <sighs> how many fish died? Because Ian, it was must have been every no, fucking no fish bit of in life the back. in there for a little yeah. while, wasn't there? Like there's probably just... no oxygen inside the inside the river, but. Even if you look out Missingham Bridge and you look west to the other bridge, the yeah. other the other entry into Ballina, it's almost a very similar. If you put a photo of the Sahara Desert and the river at low tide, it's very similar. It looks like a f- yeah. giant desert sand plain. I oh, know it just breaks your heart. Yeah. And if you look at the map, and that's where all the oyster fields were. That was yeah. like, yeah, it was never like that. No, we're like Missingham Bridge. We all talk about North Creek. Yeah, it's just that a was rock. a big place for for ships to to ships to, ships big big boats that come in the timber boats used to come in there and just where they call the Serpentine. I don't know if you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit around from the Serpentine, the ships used to dump off ballast, big big rocks out of Sydney. Yeah, some went into the Porpoise Wall, and some went over there, and that was and they were crushed and all that sort of thing for roads and bits and pieces. That's a bit of history. Um, now, big boats used to sail right up there. And when I was going to school, Kane used to – the tugs. Used to come bring, down there. Used to come there. From and Ross Lane up, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the canal fixed a lot of that up. But but still there was – ship boats used to come down from this area here, mm. Ross look, Lane, whatever. Cole, you think about it too. Like that's just there, the yeah. start of North Creek. Mm-hmm. We were – I was up to this deeper water with these guys in this shed, maybe too, even if that was dredge properly and running properly. Well, we've been to council about this. With the you know what I mean? Lane, how much water – yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How much water would have been it. in here, you know? If they're, yeah. But maybe a little know. bit, but not probably yeah. chest deep. Woody, at the yeah. gate here, it was up to our neck. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. I yeah. feel like that's it. I feel like that. I'd vote for you in our secret scenario that I just made for you. <laughs> I feel like dredging the you bar. You got one vote, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm an important vote. I can yeah. get people. I've had a fair bit of uh, a fair bit of people trying to get me that. I'm, you know, on the council and that sort of stuff. But 
I'm too busy with the other stuff I yeah. want to do. No, and, and I just, I just oh. wanted to hear your good ideas, and that's a great so one. So have, uh, you, have you wrapped it up there, Woody? Uh, have you got any more questions? Your friend. Uh, I'll come, come back to me. Yeah, I've okay, got one okay. other one, but I can't really. Right up, Auntie. You haven't oh, asked a ball bag question for about two months, so. Oh, I was going to. I don't know how you fit it all in, mate. How do you cope? Like, I, we did those couple of days going out there day in, day out. Like, you've been doing this now since the start of it. Mm. What gets you through? Because, mate, you're seeing the toughest bit of humanity or the toughest part we'll probably ever encounter in this area. What? Oh. Oh, I know one answer. Well, yeah, you, well, your wife. Yeah. Absolute legend. My wife. Yeah. Fantastic. Similar, yeah. similar amount of energy, Barnsley. Mm. Julie's fantastic. She's, yeah. she's a great – helps me, you know, she keeps me – sort of tracking but those for, for two months like when we were down at Broadwater Woodburn we were we were we had eight people on two barbecues working and we had to get rosters for those that's how good our rotary clubs are um roster people on have them they're ready cooking at seven thirty for the army at both Broadwater and Wardell so we had two stations working and um then you've got to get, like, over a period of time, we did twenty-seven, twenty-eight thousand meals. Well, that was you were the un, that's the unsung heroes in this whole scenario. Like, I know everyone talked about the rescues and stuff, which were phenomenal, but the amount of meals cooked in the hub areas around the place for people who were left twenty-seven, home, twenty-eight thousand. That was just unbelievable. That was just Wardell and Broadwater. We didn't do anything in Balna because Balna was starting to. It was like. Sort yeah, of coming sort of, yeah. plus the evacuation centres, they were then getting external caterers were coming down doing what we did that first week, uh, and they had chefs and things there. They did yeah. a no. stunning job. It's pretty crazy to think that if you can have a good Barbie cranking, you can keep two hundred people there helping working. You know, like yeah. you think about when we were down. Even Lismore or yeah. Ward Elbows. The atmosphere days. was great amongst the. Well, and just mm. there was food. someone would just walk up and just hand you like a good sanger or whatever it is. It just keeps you don't even have to worry. You just get back into it for another yeah. few hours. Yeah, we it's just, really important. We sure. just did a night, a community night at Broadwater, getting the Broadwater people together in in Mascar. We, that's when we handed out the vouchers. We did just over a hundred thousand that night in vouchers, and uh, that was a nice little catalyst to get people coming yeah. in. Yeah, but. There was over 500 people there and we just, I've never, you know, I didn't think there were so many people in Broadwater because we were on the barbecue and I can tell you what, it was just flat strap. And, um, and, but the feedback on that night was quite remarkable and people coming to us and say, thanks for doing this. You know, we haven't spoken to our neighbour since this all yeah. started. Yeah. And it's so lovely to see, sit down and have a sandwich or a, steak or a sausage or whatever it might be and a cup of tea or a beer or whatever, they're the things we've got to keep, keep, keep Conversations up. And keep yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. And that's not – we can't just stop that overnight. Yeah. That's got to be kept going for some time. I'm just waiting on this grant hopefully to come through from council that I've been talking about early this morning and we can run this night for Balna and do a similar thing. South Balna and West Balna – that, that's still, the like a a night on the greens there at Cherry Street. Yeah, yep. we'll we'll do that as a afternoon, go early into the night, 
uh, about probably six or seven hours. We'll run Make this happen, council, please. How hard's it been, mate, trying to get this to get on? <laughs> well, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> Jerry Barnsley, Barnsley, I think, that, I think that's done. hard. Like, people need this. They've stopped the red well, tape. Yeah, you know, now we've got the Crown Lands come in and so, say, well, Cherry Street's on Crown Land, the, the bowling club. Now we need letters and stuff from Terry. It's no trouble at all, but, you know, it's all extra things that they're balking the system. That's not council's fault on right, this one, okay. I must admit. I'm Sorry, it's on Crown Land. What's that got to do with it? Well, they've got to get approval to, to run things on Crown Land. Cherry Street's 24-7 on Crown Land, apparently, and now they're saying if you're going to run this sort of thing, you know, it's a, what to do and so yeah it's funny how they're twigging out like you're actually just helping the whole shire yeah yeah well we're trying to get our dgr status now that's another big thing um and that will give us a great avenue for grants to give people a real go you know um be good to have some it's, it's all about we could probably use this facility here to store stuff in um but it's a pretty decent facility it's isn't a it, great Carl? facility I like and, we're, and we're putting in a second story oh yeah perfect yep. we can put the heaters upstairs and the fridges down yeah. um yeah so that's our big thing what we're going for which we that does take a while that's yeah. quite a process um and that will be for natural disasters. We service clubs find it difficult to get DGR because yeah, it's a minefield. It's a bit of a minefield, and it's it's very diverse on how service clubs work. Yeah. So, and, and it's very specific, and that's where it's it's difficult. So, once we get that, that's how we ended up with you, Cole. You did, yeah, hundred percent. How we ended up with yeah. you? The the history of. Uh, of us trying to jump through uh, hoops, hoops and red tape and DGR status. And imagine if it, we'd had to hand that money on, on our own. I look back and now thinking we were thinking about undertaking that. Well, we would have been, we would have been screwed. Yeah. So thank Fancy, you, mate. Fancy, we actually, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, thank what, you. We well, 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 thank yeah. you. You know, no, we're I, not finished yet. You, yeah, you got I, more questions. Oh, I, I just yeah. Well, mate, okay, numbers, here we go. You've lived an amazing like you. you You've lived an amazing life and you're still continuing to do so to this day. What's – sum up your life philosophy in a sentence. Oh, just be fair, Dinkum, and have a go. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> love it. it. And, and, and yeah, we've got two quotes to go yeah. on the wall. We've got to have the King's Cross one. Dinkum, and have a go. throw at the stumps. You know, if, oh. somebody's, if someone oh. says no, don't accept it. If you know it's right, buddy, keep going forward. Don't bother with it. Cole, that's it. They're, Cole the they're the best philosophies yes. I've ever heard in my life. Just, I'm not making a list of them on the board. <laughs> Fee fair yeah. dinkum, have, have a go, go and have a throw at the stumps. Have a throw at the stumps. <laughs> That's great. Wait. How good is that? If you could put Australia yeah. and then the meaning, they would be the three meanings under Australia. Oh, yeah, and what is it? Never take a step backwards, those two no, animals on the coat of no. arms. Mate, no. that's, that's, that's awesome, mate. Well, I just want look. Yeah, before we get to Condos questions, just um, thank you for all that you've done for us, mate, and you continue to do community. Um, Shit, we'd be a poorer community without you, mate. Yeah, mate. Thank so, you, Carl. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so delightful to, to meet you guys. It really has. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> I know. Condos, uh, condos ball bag questions. I've got a couple. I'll shoot them off nice and quick. First one, what is your best advice for, uh, I don't know, let's say 18, 19, 20-year-old embarking on life, opposed, a, apart from <laughs> those quotes? Yeah, I think what people should do, I know 
I got the best advice when I was in my mid-30s from an old bloke called Frank Burke, who was a major developer. And he said, plan your life this way. When you're young, party hard. When you're 30 to 20 to 30, start seeing where you want to, to go in your life. Are you still partying or did you start at six? <laughs> <laughs> Same time as I got on the tractor. Um, 20 to 30, you know, enjoy life. You probably get married. I was married 25, so you get married. You're starting to get more responsible, I guess. 30 to 40, take all the risks you want. Borrow heavy. If you go broke, you can always bounce back. 40 to 50, start to consolidate, so your business. 50 to 60, your business works for you then. And and that is what's happened to me. You could write that. I love that. Mm. Yeah, and and you know when we were fifty to sixty, we didn't we did advertise, but our repeat business was just extraordinary. And it's exactly that philosophy. So you too have a go, all right? You're in your thirties to forties. Yeah, have a go. Borrow, have a, gotta have a dig. Have eh? a go, you too. Borrow have heavy. <laughs> if you go broke, you can always bounce back. Can I borrow some money? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bounce back in a decade. <laughs> uh, Cole, as you know, um, you know how the podcast uh, started. We've had a chat over a few beers um, over the last uh, nine or ten months. Um, you know where we're heading. Uh, you've got a good idea of what the focus of the podcast has been. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of people out in the community that are doing it tough and, and we can see, especially in our postcodes, that you know mental health is start, starting to really rare its head and, yep. and it's an issue. How, how do you deal with that? Like, like say, the Healthy Minds, you know, they, they originally put on, um, you know, mental health first aid uh, nights for their members to sort of get people sort of semi up to speed. Like, if you encounter somebody down in Wardell or Broadwater or whatever and you can see quite clearly clearly there's an issue, what are, you, what are your go-tos? Currently what we've been doing and what I do as you can possibly appreciate, probably 50% of the people I talk to I know. And that's why it's been even harder for yep. me. Um, the The idea is really is to sit down with people, spend some time with them as you've recognised when you came out with us. Um, most people want to open up. Most people are destroyed because of what's gone on. I think... What we've got to try and do is get some confidence back into people to give them some motivation to start again. Um, People don't really want a shoulder to cry on. They sort of do, but I think that's – I just believe that's sort of gone past that. That was the early few months. Um, Now they're looking for support whether it be through, you know, we're pushing the, the pack, we've got to give it things, Steve. Um, but more particularly, see what their needs are and see if we can make one change. Such a good point. Yeah. Just get the ball rolling. Because yeah. it might just be that one yeah. thing. It could be a fridge. It could be a heater, but it's like, fuck, that's giving me hope. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can I can get I'm up again up today. Tomorrow. I'm yeah. getting up tomorrow. Yeah. Great yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's basically – don't try and take everything on board because it's too big. Yeah. 
see if we can make one change. Yeah. And at least, yeah. A, it shows good intentions. intentions good. Yeah. And what's more, it shows integrity because you're going to deliver. Yeah. And that's what you've got yeah, to you've, do. You've no matter what you do, you've got to deliver. Yeah, That's what you do. That's what they do. He delivers. He's the, he's the postman. He's the postman. Just <laughs> so, run on that. Cole Lee, the postman. So, uh, so Condo's last question, um, uh, and I reckon you're going to deliver on this, is when we actually went out with you, Barnsley and I, and we were um, knocking on doors and uh, handing out coupons, and we did a little, little bit of an interview with you um, about how the coupons were going, and a question came up about who you would like to have on the podcast. So you've got a link into John John. We've got a great sponsor uh, that is very uh, supportive in Cherry Street Club Lennox and um, I know Terry's undergoing renovations down there on the green so we can probably get, I don't know, maybe 2,000 people in down on the greens there. Uh, we want John John for a all in all. Is this uh, John John Florence? John John, yeah. Fl- John John Florence. Really? Yep. He's marrying my niece. Yeah. And we're going to Hawaii. Yep. Yeah, yeah. For, for a live December. podcast yeah, with, with, uh, with Parco probably. <laughs> Maybe Mick comes down again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. His wife or to be. James. Yeah. Beautiful girl, Lauren. Uh, yeah, she, no. she, um, her parents live at Benora Point. No way. Yeah, yeah. Ah. So you've got one thing to do in the next 12 months when he's next in Oz. Okay. You need to deliver on that. So that's the first I, thing. I don't – I'm just I've – I've met him a couple of times. <laughs> he's a nice young fella. Yeah, I'm sure guy. he'll do it. Okay, there you go. Maybe, so that, you know what he's got to do? He's got to make it to Tahiti. He's in the middle of the ocean sailing from Hawaii he to is, Tahiti. He is. I, Holy yeah. doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. crazy on, uh, on the videos he posted. It looked yeah. like it was pretty stormy. And it's yeah. a Brocky George Greeno trip, yeah, isn't it? So, so, that'll, yeah. so that'll be the first uh, big live podcast at, uh, at Club Lennox. Okay. Um, and then because you deliver and John John will be there, I'll let you have the choice of bands that Woody will line up. What are your three favourite bands that you'd like to play at the end of the night? Ooh. Three, they can be three. dead or alive too because we can bring them back from the Oh, dead. we can bring them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, see, you know, my one of Credence was, a, was oh, one of my favourite. Yeah, that has not been mentioned. It hasn't. Johnny Fogarty. John Fogarty. I saw John Fogarty twice at Blues Fest. How um, was he? Sensational because I love yeah. the music. Um, Paul Simon came out with oh. the band. And he was absolutely, and most of that band was his new band with um, the South African. The South African influence, yeah. Wow, how good was that? And um, how good are these choices? Yeah. yeah. And believe it or not, it's, and I was just listening to some of this music the other day, like Jimmy Buffett. He he's another fantastic. It's five o'clock with, somewhere. Five o'clock, yeah. Oh, Margaritaville. Yeah, far that's out. it. <laughs> so, so those guys, um, they were bands. I did see Eric Burden and the Animals at, at um, oh, House of the Rising Sun. Wow. That was at Blues Fest too. That was really, really a wonderful uh, concert. Fantastic. Um, Pretty good collection that's there, Cole. Cole, yeah. I've got to ask, and I know this is probably – I'm sure you got one good answer for it. Over the years, so 60s, 70s, 80s, those early years, especially into the 80s, like the pub rock, you must have seen some of those big, huge Aussie acts as they were first starting out in their early days, like an ACDC through the 70s, like they travel up through here or Midnight Mm. Oil or 
crowded house. Any have you had any crowded house is the only like, one. Had I you can seen them of. at Ballinari for fifty cents when they would just start? I'm sure that <laughs> I know. I, I I'm sure they. You're, you're going to laugh. I tell you, one of the a group that I really did like was the Drifters. Yeah. Oh, Drifters. Now the yeah, Drifters yeah. were the have got the best harmony. They were they were wonderful. I saw them. Um, but like had they, had you had some funny ones come, like some big ones come through Ballina back in the day, where you were like, "Oh, these guys uh, could be good," and then it ended up being bloody, you know, in excess or yeah, something. Yeah, it went went a long way. Um, Custer's Last Stand was a great band, um, yeah. uh, and the mixtures, the mixtures went on. They were, they yeah. sang the push bike song. Yeah. The push. <laughs> 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 you know any of these, Louie? <laughs> now, they, they were a really, really, really good band. Um, Riding along on the push bike, honey, when I noticed you. Riding downtown in a hungry, honey, down South Avenue, you look so pretty. That's his last stand. Um, you would have just seen so many of Blues. Blood, though, sweat, you? and tears. They were, they were fantastic, too. Really enjoyed Bloods in their early days. Okay, you know they were terrific. Um, yeah, few of the, like Johnny O'Keefe in the old days. He came to Lismore and he, he'd had a fairly big night before he got there, <laughs> so that was an interesting one. But they, that was um, Linda and Vicar. Yeah, bull off uh, Paul Kelly's band. Yeah, they yeah. they were there, and of course Joe Cocker was just. He, Joey he, Cocker come through Ballina. He didn't come through Ballina. I saw him actually at Tweed Heads. Um, oh, yeah. But what about like Tweed. a Tom He's, Jones or a Kamal or something like yeah, that? Yeah, do you get yeah. jocks thrown at you, land on you or anything? Kamal. Tom Jones, you? I quite, I quite like, I quite, hey, Tom Jones is good. Kamal, yeah, he's, he's good. Four million children, one marching along, uh, singing a song. Um, <laughs> they were, they were, um, yeah, no. I am here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to think of some of the big name bands. I would have seen a. Oh, mate, you named uh, three or four. Uh, two, yeah. Um, well, Paul Kelly. Paul Kelly. I'll tell you, it was very early days. was um, um, a country and western singer from Grafton. Oh, yeah, Troy, Cass- Troy, Troy Casadale. Yeah. yeah, I always get mixed up. Yeah. Troy Casadale. That was a fantastic night. and um, He's a great artist, mate. Yes. Well, he, doesn't get, yeah. he doesn't get the crowd he deserves because he's no. bloody brilliant. Truly. He is. And he he's was, a great advertisement that, that, for the that, area too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was a really, really good night. Yeah. Well, Cole, no, uh, it's been great, mate. we're better for uh, meeting you. Thank you, Terry Shane, for, intro, for the intro. Um, Thank you for dominating the community and helping out in the, like probably the worst – Six months of the, probably the Shire, really, eh? True. Yeah. Yep. And your big part, big pillar of getting them back on their feet, mate. We appreciate it. Our, my pleasure. And yep. thank you for the opportunity to just candidly come along and talk. I think mate, it's you wonderful. know you're welcome in the shed yeah, anytime, mate, anytime, especially once the second level goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Thank mate. you, mate. Thank you. Terrific. Cheers, mate. Thanks, boys. Smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs> <laughs>